Hello, welcome to episode 109 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill and Mr. Miss. Oh, what's there's not a plural for Mr. Miss is just Mr. Isn't it? It's mm. not like Mrs. Miss and Ms. Mm. Like you get with with girls. You just got Mr. Mr. Master Renfrey Deadman. Oh, Mr. Master. That'll do. Hello. Yeah. How you doing? All right. How you doing? Really good. All right. Man. Thanks. I've just had a pan of chocolate. Uh, yeah. And that always puts me in a good mood. So I'm in a very, very good mood. How are you? Can I, can I ask mm. why you're wearing a shirt? Why well, I'm wearing a shirt? Um, mm. y- y- because people can't see this, but you're wearing a shirt. I'm wearing a shirt done up um, because, well, I was a bit warm. And this is a very nice kind of 100% cotton. Just a lovely, cool shirt. And that's what I fancied wearing. Is that okay? okay? Yeah, no, no. It's just, it's not often you see someone who decides to dress up for sitting in their bedroom and talking to me <laughs> so um, i just i don't feel dressed up if... at all i mean my bottoms i've just got you got a scabby. shirt on yeah i just got scabby jeans on to be honest with lots of holes okay. in them but um right. you know i can i mean i could put like a, a napalm death t-shirt on if that would if that would suit no 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 it doesn't matter i was just it was it was i just saw you and i was like this is curious anyway i mean doesn't the, top, matter. the top button is undone just to you know, yeah, I mean, say. you know, I'm not Mr. He's, not full, he's rock and roll through and through. He's not <laughs> anyone. Um, uh, on the show this week, let's get on with the show. Yes. On the show this week, we're going to be reviewing the latest albums from Oceans of Slumber, Blocks, Bill Callahan, Pig Destroyer, and The 68. Plus, on Broken Records. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Corey Feldman. Uh, <laughs> That's oh it. goodness me! It's lovely to um, have one which isn't. Well, it's lovely to have one which isn't. I mean, it's lovely to have one which isn't an absolutely atrocious human being. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> in the same I mean, way, in the same way that we have done for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, stick around for that. Oh, oh, oh! Stick around. For that. I'm going to say um, privately, I have um, shared the Corey Feldman album with so many of my friends and none of them have disappointed me in their responses to it. It is most certainly one of the most jaw dropping records we have done on Broken Records. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to get the rest of the show out. Of uh, yeah. Just to get to that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Should we just do so it let's now? Go through fuck it. it. Let's yeah, do it yeah, now. fuck it. Um, oh, okay. Go to our Patreon page if you like. Patreon.com forward slash right act podcast to sign up for a load of exclusive content that we do. A couple of Rioters reviews actually went out this week for anyone who just pledges any amount of money at all. Um, uh, an old one on Killing Joke, their self-titled 1980 debut album. We put that out for free. Eventually, that has been on the site for a good year and a bit. Something like that. Um, something like that. And also, we did Igor by Tyler, the creator, which went up uh, this week as well, which is available only for you patrons. And, um, very interesting album. That very, was very a very, album. very interesting record. Yeah, I'm really glad that we did that. That was great. So go and have a little listen to that. If you would like to sign up for the £5 tier, uh, that will get you access to two of our classic albums every month. One from me, one from Renfrey. We've already had Renfrey's one this month or are we starting a new month it's september it's starting a new month so we're going to have the first one going up very very soon um if you're listening to this on the day this comes out should be monday or tuesday that you'll be getting a double again about depeche mode 
Oh, you're, 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 you're risking doing it before we've even recorded it, are you? I do enjoy it when you oh, do that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, ine- yeah. Inevitably, have, inevitably, that's something when we have technical wrong. issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something will <laughs> and inevitably go wrong. You Sorry, I... I didn't even think that. I just thought, oh, it's going out on Monday, isn't it? Depeche Mode. But we haven't actually we haven't actually recorded the Depeche Mode special yet. So, shall I just say that's the plan? That's the plan. The plan. Hopefully, yeah. we will have a Depeche Mode uh, double for you on Monday or yeah, Monday or Tuesday. I'm hoping Monday, to be honest with you. But yeah. uh, we did hope as well to have a, a merch. We've come up with another funny idea for uh, a T-shirt, and we were going to hopefully have that to reveal, but we don't have that just yet. But hopefully we'll next have it maybe sure. next week. But we still got Bonjour T-shirts, I think, mm-hmm. over on riotactpodcast.com. Um, they are is Bonjour. Uh, so, you know, if you fancy picking one of them up, I bloody do. Mm-hmm. Um, go and do that. Uh, in the news, the sort of big news in the sort of music world in general, really, is uh, Reading. I'm not going to get to like go into Reading's lineup too much because I don't really think we care nope. about Reading. Nope. Mm. There is an artist called Dojo Do, Doja Cat playing though, and her yeah. uh, her uh, PR picture, her, her press picture, is uh, her dressed up in a. A cat suit in a Batman Returns sort of return sort of styly, uh, as you modelled very nicely for our Gil Return Thank special. Um, but it's kind of leopard print and pink. Is that a best way? Is that a good way to describe it? it she looks, well, like, you're looking at the picture, not me. Oh right, We're well, in a different well, part of the world. It's uh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot you weren't next to me by my side, <laughs> holding my hand as you were for yeah. the first couple hundred or so episodes. Um, uh, she looks riveting. But I have no idea what she she's like. massive. Is she? She's probably she's she gets. I mean, the, one of the arguments people are going, well, she should be above some of the headliners because she's getting really? like ten million Spotify streams every month, as opposed to you know the sort of two or three that Queens of Stone Age get. So but anyway, the typical, big sort of news. Typical music journalist Renfrey Debon, not heard of her. <laughs> no, not <laughs> heard of her. She's massive. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's she's pretty big. Um, Stormzy and Catfish and the Bottomman will be the dual headliners yes. on the new stage thing on the Friday of Reading, I think. Can you explain uh, the new stage thing? thing? So, yes, they've got six headliners. This was the thing that was exciting. Six headliners was what they were saying that they were going to get. Um, now, I actually was having a private conversation with a friend of mine Uh-oh. where Merlin... Um, <laughs> where, <laughs> where we were saying this seems really, really exciting. This could be something great for Reading because six headliners means that they could sort of theoretically go back into, or, or could go to, not even go more back into being more of a rock festival, but they could curate a festival which really does appeal to the absolutely widest demographic of people. Yeah. You know, we were saying, I mean, there was. There was a, a fake poster going around which had Billie Eilish, Stormzy, Liam Gallagher, Slipknot, Bring Me the Horizon, and uh, somebody else. I can't remember who the other person was. Apologies to that person. Um, but now you think that that's actually quite um, that's quite exciting. It does that's quite a good. I think it was a nineteen seventy five. It was a nineteen seventy five of the other ones. Mm. And you think that that's really that's really broad. Mm. You know, that's like the sort of festivals they do in Europe. I, was I think about Reading, to say Reading have America, struggled. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Europe have, um, uh, do that really well. And I think only really Glastonbury over the last few years as well. If you're talking about sort of proper going to sort of metal acts yeah. um, and being that broad, has only really been the last few years. But you know, it's um. It's ended up being Stormzy, Catfish and the Bottom and 
Post Malone disclosure, Liam Gallagher, Queens of Stone Age. Um, so you sort of, Stormzy's still a great booking, I think. Uh, Liam Gallagher and Stormzy have stayed from the previous, from, from this year, mm-hmm. that didn't go ahead. And I, you, you've got to assume that Rage Against the Machine have basically been replaced by Queens of Stone Age mm-hmm. to give it the sort of rock vote. And then in come Post Malone again and Disclosure. Now, I, and Catfish in the Bottomman, I mean, who I've already forgotten about, even though <laughs> I've, I've just said them. I mean, my kind of, it, it's weird because, I mean, it's, it's hard. On one hand, I think getting six headliners means that you can drop down the i think not the quality i mean they've dropped the quality quite a lot but um but you can drop down the sort of the size of the acts that would be considered a headline act um and i think they have done that a little bit because i really don't think catfish and the bottle men are would usually be thought of as a reading headliner disclosure as well is a weird one because i mean disclosure were meant to be playing the um the royal albert hall Teenage Cancer Trust, which, as you know, I worked a bit on. Mm. And they didn't sell that out. They didn't sell out a 5,000 capacity venue at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, You kind of wonder why they would be able to headline Reading. I know it's a kind of one-off different sort of thing, but it did seem a bit odd. So It's certainly an interesting move. And actually, you know, despite the fact that we moan about Reading and Leeds all the time these days, it's actually a very smart move and probably one that the larger festivals should try and take on a bit more because realistically um i think going to smaller well we've said it before loads of times you know the metallicas and the iron maidens that these bands are getting too old i mean it's almost it was almost be a better um idea for a download to adopt it because that's that's the uh that's what's in trouble i don't think reading and leeds is in trouble in terms of future headliners uh particularly but it would be quite a smart move for them to adopt to pay the headliners less and have them be sort of smaller acts, you know, maybe acts that would maybe, uh, let's say, could sell out Brixton or Hammersmith Apollo or something like that, Mm. but have six of them to bring more people in. And I think that could be the way forward for festivals like that. Um, I mean, it's a very interesting move indeed. You said something about there being two stages in in a mm-hmm. kind of sonosphere setup. Um, so yeah. the way sonos- so no clashes, right? Okay. I mean, that's that's a cool move. I'm always yeah. down with that. Um, I suppose we don't know what it's going to be like on the site yet. With Sonosphere, you had the Apollo stage at one end of the site and then the Saturn stage at the very other end of the site. We don't know if they're going to the, be next to each other. or anything. They are going to be next to each other. Next to each other. Hmm. Okay, that puts me off like a little Hellfest. bit more. Right, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I support, I think all of that stuff is a good idea. It's an interesting thing to do. I've just had a quick look at Disclosure and they've been playing alexandra palace although to be fair to them they did three dates at alexandra yeah. palace uh i think i think they're they're you know they are big but i mean when was that when did that they do that 2015 apparently 2015 hmm. i mean that yeah uh, i don't maybe they're just one of those massive sort of superstar dance bands who don't come around very often yeah, i think that could, might be the thing well with disclosure it. so mm-hmm. it's like quite a big booking because they've not been around for a little while i mean i mean um, they, they did do they did what like looks swedish like, house mafia was a bit like that for a while yeah they? they did do what looks like a small gig at uh printworks in london um on march the 6th this year but yeah bar that they haven't played london since december 3rd 2015 so yes that would support that 
I also saw them um, playing at the uh, FA Premier League um, Legends of Football dinner when oh, Arsene Wenger was given. Yeah, and I mean, they were rubbish. Right. They they were they were rubbish. They were really rubbish. You know what? Disclosure is one of those names that I've heard, and I I literally don't know a single fucking thing about them. I mean, you just Fair called enough. them a sort of dance act. I didn't even know mm. that. I couldn't have told you that. So there you go. Yeah. Because I have um, no interest in this sort of thing. But there we go. Fair enough. Post Malone played it quite a lot, but he's massive, isn't he? Mm. Liam Gallagher, I don't think people would be too pissed about that, really. Stormzy is massive. Queens of Stone Age feels like a little bit of a step down from Rage Against the Machine. But, you know, still be good to see Queens. Um, It's and, not and, great. Well, debatably, it'd be... <laughs> debatably in 2021 it'd be better to see Queens of Stone Age than it would be Rage Against the Machine debatably well, possibly yeah um, you've also got Lewis Capaldi Two Door Cinema Club AJ Tracy Baby, Doja Cat Mabel MK 100 Kex fucking hell um, uh, Ash Nico uh, the Baby don't think that's how you oh, say just, it I'm just feeling Fever, older and older yeah. more Fever 333 Shut up. Sophie Tucker Shut up. Madison Beer and don't Lyra no, you Shut like up. Fever 333 don't you I, I, yes I do like Fever 333 that's about it especially live other than that it just feels like a load of a load of words to me not yeah. to sound like an old cunt but there you go <laughs> there you go but anyway I, I thought interesting that you, you six headliners for a festival that is you know i suppose after this year it was worth a go it was a well interesting shut down well yeah, it's I a well think, interesting like, well intentioned yeah and, and i hope it works I, I do you know i'm not a massive fan of reading and leeds but i do i do hope it works out for them because if it works out for them then other festivals might follow suit and that might actually be a very wise survival strategy for download for yeah. example there are a lot of people have been moaning about it i can understand why people have moaned about it because it's not really very inspiring when you promise sort of six headliners and you get that i don't mm. think it's a particularly inspiring lineup but then i think you just got a on yeah you know they were probably hamstrung with what they could have got i mean if could right. they have got could they have got billy people are going i can't believe you booked this and you haven't booked billy eilish and it's like well I think if you were offered Catfish and the Bottlemen or Queens of the Stone Age even or Billie Eilish, you would take Billie Eilish. If they could have got... Yeah. It's not they went, no, we don't want Billie Eilish. Yeah. Sorry, Billie Eilish, we're not booking you. That is stupid. Yeah. They obviously couldn't get her. Bummer. I, I it's mean, a bummer, but you know. Yeah, of course it's a bummer. Um, 90% of the time, you just... You, you, the majority of people who moan about these sorts of things it's just obvious that they don't understand the mechanics of how you set up a festival like it is it is really hard you know as much as we moan i mean we moan ourselves about them quite a lot but it is really fucking difficult and actually in the uk i would argue it's probably harder than in any other country certainly in any other western country um because um i mean i've discussed this a little bit on the show before but bands command a larger fee in the uk than they do um in the rest of europe for example just because i mean i've never been told a decent reason why this is the case but basically it's it's a prestige kind of thing it's like well the the uk it's basically like well the uk is the home of amazing rock music such as led zeppelin the who black sabbath yada 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 so therefore who's yours <laughs> so therefore kate, kate nash so therefore we want more money and and that it's just one of those it's just one of those things you know, um, uh, oh, I'm not going to name an actual example, but um, XYZ, the new band, uh, will 
charge 150,000 euros in France, but it will be 250,000 pounds in the UK. That is just the way it is. Mm. So I particularly don't, I, I particularly feel sorry for anyone sorting out a UK festival having to do this kind of thing. And I think realistically, whilst people may well moan, um, if we want festivals to continue going, this is probably a very wise move and a very wise path to go down, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think so. And yes, I think um, just you have to rearrange your, um, not rearrange, but you have to recalibrate your idea of what it is to be a headliner. And I've sort yeah. of thought that for quite a long time, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, yeah. Speaking of going to see things, you actually went to see an actual gig in your with your your body was in the same room as the people that were actually playing the music. <laughs> that was a very strange way of saying I went to see some live music. Yes, um, not in the same room. I'll immediately have to correct you there. I went to see friend of the show and um, a old regular of the show, uh, Mr. Jamie Lenman, uh, play the signature brew brewery in walthamstow um mm. now this was the first mistake that i made um because i we did a show at uh, one of signature brews venues in dalston in london sorry to be so london centric uh but i turned up to that one and um didn't realize that the gig was actually at the walthamstow brewery so i turned up very very you late, idiot like a fucking idiot and Jamie was on at 7.30 on the dot. And I managed to get to Walthamstow for 7.35, which wasn't bad. But the gig was actually outside the brewery. Of course, if you're outside, there's even less chance of spreading the dreaded, spreading the dreaded COVIDs and all that sort of thing. And uh, Jamie saw me rocking up um, a little bit late. And he just finished his first song, which I missed. And he said, I'm not going to start playing this next song till my friend Renfrew Devon from the Right Out Podcast sits his ass down and it was very very embarrassing steve you felt like a big man <laughs> well, I, I i i mean i was i was really flattered that he called me out and and in that sense and i was you know thank you jamie that's really kind but at the same time at that particular moment in time i was very flustered i was very annoyed and everyone turned around and looked at me and uh, laughed and i felt like a small <laughs> small small person um, but it was very amusing. So already the gig's got off to a bad start. You're like, fucking, I've not done this for five months. And the first thing that happens is a disaster. I actually worked it out. I mean, you know how I love my stats and shit. And uh, I worked out that it had been 165 days since I'd seen live music. Wow. Um, and I imagine that is probably the longest amount of time I've been without seeing a live gig, probably since I started going to see shows. So probably since I was 14. 21 years ago which is crazy isn't it i mean i would have thought that would be a you you must have you must have not waited 165 days to see a show yourself i would have thought i can't think i would have gone that long without seeing yeah. a gig for a very 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 long time i i would be really surprised if you ever had since you've been watching live shows i think people like you and i yeah. and most of the people listening to this podcast probably you know mm. I mean, I suppose if you live in a really, really rural area, maybe that's a naive thing to say. But yeah, I mean, it really was. And just, just, man, just hearing live music, it was just fucking lovely. I mean, it was just um, Jamie with an acoustic guitar, one of his acoustic sets. That is, you know, definitely a good idea in these um, times, I think, because you don't want people going crazy and start opening up a pit and all that kind of thing. 
but it was presented really, really, really mm. well. Just immediately outside the brewery, um, they were selling uh, Jamie's. I mean, signature brew do you know uh, alcoholic drinks with uh, with bands collaborations and all that kind of thing all the time. Jamie um, Jamie doesn't drink, so uh, he made a lemonade uh, collaboration with them or a lemonade. Yeah, I saw that. Did you try it? Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. Was it mm, refreshing? Really, on a, really refreshing. On a nice. On a nice rainy summer's day. Uh, it wasn't terrible weather. I mean, thank goodness, because we were outside and there wasn't much cover. Um, it was just sort of overcast. But it was, you know, and uh, very, like, quite bitter. But, oh, lovely, lovely, lovely lemonade. If you can get a hold of that, I recommend it. It was very refreshing and very nice. Um, but the gig itself was just fantastic. It was all, there were loads of picnic benches laid out a la kind of outside of a pub sort of thing. And it was like four people to a bench or standing room at the back. It was all very kind of chilled and very, very nice. And everyone was kind of like touching elbows to say hello and all that kind of thing. Um, and it was just a really lovely atmosphere. And I think, uh, I mean, it was sort of one of those gigs where Jamie could have been awful. Like every single string on his guitar could have broken during every single song. He could have forgotten absolutely everything and it still would have been amazing. Jamie would have never have done that. I mean, I think this is the 15th or 16th time I've seen him and he's never done anything like that before. Uh, and he was fantastic anyway. Um, I only saw 17 songs of the 18 song set because of my uh, tardiness um, or the fact that I can't look up a, a venue properly. But, you know, he was like he went into all of England as a city acoustic version of that. Like, that was the first song that I saw. Um, Handsome Stranger Called Death, that Hannah Lou Clark cover from the uh, from the Shuffle album, which yeah. was amazing. He did um, fucking the theme from... Um, Bram Stoker's Popeye? Dracula. No, oh, no, right. no, no, no. Acoustically, can you imagine? Um, no, I would have liked that. Well, I would have liked it as well. But uh, no, he did uh, Love Song for a Vampire. That's what it's called and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know anything acoustic. I mean, you know, I left this gig and immediately put on uh, Devolver. You know, one of those kind of shows. Um, mm. Three Reuben tracks, Moving to Blackwater. Eh, what else? Oh, what were the other ones? Moving to Blackwater. I'm going to do it. Tonight is... <laughs> this is Demi Lovato all over again, isn't it? Moving to Blackwater, Let's Stop Hanging Out, and Tonight My Wife Is Your Wife, which was super, super cool. Uh, lots of stuff from the memory, uh, muscle memory, uh, second disc and all that kind of thing. It was it was just so devolver to, to uh, finish things up. It was just such a... It was, it was just so nice. I mean, I mean, as I said... He, he Jamie could have been awful and it would still have been brilliant. But Jamie was fantastic as per, you know, his usual charismatic self um, talking with the crowd and stuff. He actually had a keg of lemonade on stage with him. Uh, so he was pouring drinks for himself um, on stage all the time. His uh, wonderful wife, Katie, came up and did a couple of songs as well. It was just, yeah, it was great. Absolutely great. And just lovely to be back in that environment this whole kind of social distancing gig thing you know it's not it's not ideal but i will say if you're a little bit unsure about going is like oh is it really worth it is it really gonna it's not the same you know of course it's not the same it's never going to be the same but if you adore live music in the manner that you or i do and i'm sure most of you what listening to this do it's absolutely worth it i came out absolutely buzzing 
from the show and i only had a couple of beers um i just just because it was so nice to hear live music again you know and i came out kind of not realizing how much i had missed it you know yeah um, that makes sense uh, like I really hadn't because yeah I mean bit of a confession time I know we've talked about this privately I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the show but because we go and see a lot of live shows initially when the whole lockdown stuff happened totally honestly it was actually quite nice to have a bit of a break from live music mm. if I'm totally honest I know well, mate I I, I had no intention, as everybody, as I sort of have said a whole bunch of times, I've had absolutely no intention of going to any festivals this year. Yeah. And that's so, borne out. Yeah. yeah. So it's your fault. Like, oh, you will. You will. Well, it's not my fault. It's just <laughs> saying I'm not going to any festivals at any year. It's not like the world's gone. Well, if he's not going, let's not have any festivals for anyone on I the think, planet. I think you'll find that's exactly how it works, Steve. Yes, I am that important. Um, um, but anyway... Uh, but yeah, so I did think though, oh, when it comes around, I probably will be like, ah, God, I'd like to be at wherever. Um, so it's worked out quite well, I think, for me. <laughs> yeah, it obviously has. But um, no, certainly like a few months into lockdown, I was starting to get the itch a little bit, you know. Um, and um, in, a, in a weird way for me, I didn't hadn't realised how much I'd missed it until you know i got it back again and now i mean as we're recording this today i noticed loath have announced a show at the jazz cafe uh for october and i'm gagging to go to that now you know uh gagging to get any kind i mean i, I have yeah, no I'd idea like to to i have no idea how that's going to work um but i'm really intrigued about it and loathe uh, a band who i've got every confidence in and i'm sure they'll pull something quite spectacular off um didn't manage to catch them last time they came around you did didn't you at Amerta? yeah yeah they played yeah mm. yeah so so you know so i'm gonna try and wangle my way into that and all that sort of thing and yeah now that i've got now that i've got now that even though the itch has been scratched i need to scratch it even more now if that makes sense that was a rubbish saying but you know what i mean no, 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 it's not really. Mm. I think it makes sense. Mm. Um, you know, you've remembered how good it is to go to a gig. Yeah, yeah. I've it's been almost been so long that I feel like I am still like, oh, it would be really nice to go to a gig. That'd be great. I had that feeling after a while. I was like, oh, it's nice to not be going to any gigs. And I was like, oh, I'd love to go to a gig. And mm. now it's been so long. I am almost like, why are they again? What do you do? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I'm sure once I go to one, whenever that will be, uh, I yeah. will want to go to some more. But anyway, I would Renfrey, just, back on the horse. Back on the horse. I would just like to say that, you know, I don't want people to think that we're like total cunts for saying we didn't really miss live music for a bit. It's just because it's a little bit of a busman's holiday for us in a way. I Like mm. we do love live music. Don't get either me or Steve wrong. It's just sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a break so it was it was nice for a couple of months but yeah the last the last sort of two months i've been really itching to get back to it and i'm really glad i did it was awesome so mm. nice brewery as well Nine thousand mm. liter vats i'd like to sit on mm. one of those with a straw if you know what i mean i, I mean I literally I, i'd like to sit on one with a straw right okay because yeah. i didn't know what you meant wasn't euphemistic no okay um <laughs> yeah how um, many Nine thousand. Nine thousand liters Nine thousand liters, or Thursday afternoon, as Rumpy <laughs> likes to call it. Oh, I'm so glad <laughs> that the alcoholic jokes are back. Woohoo! I actually yeah, welcome brilliant. them. Brilliant. If we get live music as well, I actually welcome them. Wonderful. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a. Those two things aren't. Uh, uh, they are actually they're not mutually exclusive. You can't, don't, how, the only way we can have gigs back is if you 
take the brunt of my jokes I've, pretending I've, that you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I've barely drank anything during lockdown. Like, seriously. No, me neither. You me know? neither. You know, I've barely... Um, I've been taking heroin. And you've still got fat. <laughs> still got fat. I weighed my... Did I say this the other week? I weighed myself the other week and I've lost half a stone over lockdown. Right. But in the worst possible way. Because I haven't lost half a stone in terms of my body fat. I've definitely put loads of fat on. What, have you lost I'm like a, a limb or something? No, I've just, I'm a puny little weed now. I'm a fat little <gasps> puny weed. Oh, yeah. Dear. Oh, dear. I was like oh. a half a stone heavier, mm. but thinner before. Because mm. I was such a beefcake. You do look, <laughs> you do look a bit what? like Mr. Muscle at the moment. Maybe it's the glasses, I don't know. I'm only joking. Uh, you're... <laughs> Mm. Like that, let's did do you? some reviews. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're on about. Um, let's Mr. do some Muscle, reviews. Mate. You know, Mister yeah, Muscle. Yeah, it's a, what? What do you mean, Mister? Yeah, the the spray. Yeah, but Mister Muscle, but he's not muscly. That's the whole point of the the. This is going to go over a lot. Of oh fuck! Heads. I forgot that that I thought you because there is the new. You've not obviously not seen the new Mister Muscle adverts where he is. He looks like Superman. There is oh. a proper Mister Muscle. Mister, oh, Mu- okay. they've actually taken it literally. I do remember the. The adverts you're referring to now, but you know, just weedy. like you haven't heard of, he's not heard of Doja Cat, and he's not seen any of the new <laughs> Mr. Muscle adverts. Everyone, what an idiot! I'm so, I'm so unculturally refined, refined. Yes, oh, oh, culturally unrefined. Fuck it. Let's do some reviews. Oceans of Slumber. Oceans of Slumber is where we're going to start. The self-titled fourth album from the Texan progressive uh, doom death band. Mm-hmm. What? I'll go with it. Well, what would you call them? It's just proggy, aren't they? Well, that <laughs> is definitely more expressive than <laughs> just proggy, aren't they? I mean, they could, that could be yes. They're not King Crimson. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's the follow-up to the quite superb Banished Heart from 2018. I think that's a fucking fantastic record. Great record. And I really do like Oceans of Slumber a lot. Winter was the first one that I heard. Yeah. Of Winter's theirs. my jam. Brilliant. Winter yeah, is my jam. Really, really good. Mm. Um, they've sort of always been called, and I think what people think is great about Oceans of Slumber is the way that they meld Opeth-like progressive deathy stuff um, with the soaring, beautiful, soulful vocals of Cammy Gilbert. Mm. Um and I think going into this record, expecting something that's not that sort of four albums into their career would be a mistake. Is that fair to say, Renfrey? Um, You're very kindly. You're you're saying it in a very kind way that they have not made an awful lot of progression. <laughs> I think is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that in. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying it is. Uh, well, I'm, de- I'm I'm not really saying. What I'm saying is is that they now, Oceans of Slumber, I think, defined the style that they do and kind of perfected what they do so well yeah. quite early on in their career that I am like, well... Where is I that for I'm you not, to I, go now? Yeah, and, and what could you do that would ch- change that would be as good as what you do? Because they are fucking great at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would describe it... What I love about Oceans of Slumber is they kind of have this beautiful middle ground between kind of nightwish 
and Neoblisvaris, or however the fuck you pronounce that band. Yeah. Could you do that for me? Because I fucked that up. Neoblisvaris. Thank you very much. I and even they... rolled the R. <laughs> and they take those two bands and they kind of stretch them towards them. And then there is this beautiful kind of midpoint, which is Oceans of Slumber. And, you know, I mean, we, uh, we have spoken about the Nightwish record in the past and neither of us are massive Nightwish fans although I think we both have a sort of begrudging respect for them because they are clearly fucking brilliant at what they do um but you know the thing with Oceans of Slumber that I really really admire is they <laughs> we talked a lot about how Nightwish goes to that hey nonny nonny territory that, that we're not a fan of and and Oceans of Slumber just have a bit more oomph to them than that and for the most part most of the time couple of exceptions but most of the time they don't go into that kind of thing the scene that they are a part of you know i mean i've always kind of i think on the surface a lot of people would assume that oceans of slumber are part of that whole kind of epica within temptation leaves eyes tristiana bullshit which i have no fucking time for whatsoever um again i don't think those bands uh, those bands i think are perfectly fine at what they do it's just not for me it's just not my cup of tea but oceans of slumber because they mm. have that um slightly harder edge you know suddenly like a blast beat comes in and then i mean there's pig squeals on this record which was a bit of a surprise um you know uh, very fleeting pig squeals but there are pig squeals mm. on this record i was like oh hello um you know uh uh yeah they they are a very 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 good band mm. and i this, think they are and this album has been getting some mighty fine notices has it not steve yes it has it's been getting some seriously good reviews uh i don't think it's a an overreaction to say that um is it worth the good reviews i mean i sort of I think Oceans of Slumber have been worth those sort of reviews for a little while now, and it doesn't really feel like they used to get them. You've hit the nail on... Oh, mate. Okay, I've had a real tumultuous time with this record. As you sort of know, we've had a few discussions yeah. about this one behind the scenes. I've had a real tumultuous time with it. Massive confession. The first time I heard this record, I was so disappointed with it. I was so disappointed. I was so annoyed, so upset because of all of those things that I've just said about them being a fantastic band and occupying that space that not many other bands do. Um, let's get some of these things out of the way now, shall we? Uh, this album is too long, too fucking long. This album is, well, all of Oceans of Slumber's albums, uh, uh, Ocean of Slumber's albums are a bit too long, if I'm totally honest. Uh, Winter's 15. These type of metals, metal albums tend to be this sort of length. I they think. do. They do. And they're all too long. Um, <laughs> and they need to have a bit more perspective. Uh, Winter is 59 minutes and 58 seconds. I would say Winter for me remains the, the pinnacle of their career. Um, I, but I, even that album, I would have shaved a couple of minutes off. The Banished Heart is 64 minutes and 59 seconds uh probably would have shaved five minutes off of that one this record is 71 minutes and 32 seconds 71 minutes and 32 seconds too fucking long and i would also say that it's not too long by a couple of minutes or too long by five minutes i think this album's too long by a good 20 minutes um 
In fact, I've actually specifically, you know how I like to be specific. I think this album is too long by 20 minutes and 42 seconds. Yes, I've gone in that anally on it. Um, it is predominantly the first three songs, which I think are not a waste of time. Mm. But the first three songs, um, let's call them up and be mega professional about this. Have you got them? Well, I can tell me? you. Soundtrack to My Last Day, Pray for Fire and A Return to the Earth Below are the first three songs. Thank you very much. Um, there is nothing strictly wrong with those songs, but it does feel like Oceans of Slumber coasting. It does feel like let's give them something that they're familiar with and they know already so that we don't alienate people. I think my thing is you don't need to do that. Just, just, just go in with, because after that, once we get to Imperfect Divinity and, and, and onwards, I think the album takes a massive leap up in quality and it suddenly becomes far more interesting. And the reason for that is because they start doing things that are a little bit different from what we've heard from them before. Not wildly, you know, this is not like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Each record is totally different from the other. But they do start to do, there's little like electronic throbs here and there which sound a little bit different to what they've done. Or, or I mean... Imperfect Divinity itself actually reminded me of A Warm Place uh, by Nine Inch Nails if if Nightwish had covered it, you know. And on paper, that sounds like a bit of a clusterfuck, but actually it's really good, you know. It's really, really good, that song. Um, and I actually thought that would be a really good way to start the record. Um, and I do, I mean, like I say, when I first heard this record, I was just so kind of consumed by how ridiculously long it was that I couldn't get to the quality, to the, the actual meat of it itself, which in my opinion is basically track four to 12. If this had been a nine track, 50 minute record, I think we'd be talking about an album which is as good as winter. Um, but there's a lot of fat on it, isn't there, Steve? Do you agree with that? I think there is. And I think, I mean, you mentioned the first three songs. Um, I really... I was like, this is pretty good. You know, this is what I kind of what it's I expected fine. at the start. Yeah, um, there's, I did like the kind of the electro bit that came at the end of Pray for Fire just okay. before this massive blast. I was like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It was a bit sort of synth wavy, which is something that uh, we're going to say synth wave quite a lot today. I have a mm -hmm. funny feeling. Um, um, but I mean, the first two songs are Bar I Mourn These Yellowed Leaves, which is track eight, uh, which is a really, really great song. Mm those two songs are the longest two songs on the record. Yeah. Uh, at the very yes. start. Yes. yes. Um, and they are slightly, I, I did feel like, I think it's, you know, at first I was like, ah, Oceans of Slumber are kind of settling back and they're going to do longer. You know, if every song was that long and they made like seven or eight of them to make an album, record. which is, well, I was going to say, which is what Opeth tend to do is mm. to do less songs, but have them be longer. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I not. I don't know if I would say it would be a boring record, but I don't think it would be as dynamically interesting as they have been previously. Um, I mean, my I know a lot of people that are well keen on this record, and when I've put it to them that like actually the sort of first half it meanders a bit and it takes a little while to rev up. Meanders um, is the word. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, I love the fact that they've really elongated and stretched out all these ideas and stuff. And it's like, well, they have, 
but I'm not sure that that's necessarily their strength. There isn't, you know, I, there I, isn't enough ideas to justify to justify mm, it, though. That's my issue. I, I think, I mean, people call them this kind of female-fronted opeth, but I think actually the kind of, the soulful vocals with the kind of progressive Metallica crunch that they can have, that mm. kind of Fleetwood Mac meets and Justice for All mm. that they have had on previous albums. Yeah. Or, you know, probably even heavier than Justice for All. Um, that's a great shout, well, that, actually. Sorry, that Justice for All meets Fleetwood Mac. That's a really good shout, yeah. Yeah, um, like, I, I think they're, I think they 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 can they they have and can and are often on this record, fucking brilliant at yeah. doing that stuff. Yeah. When they fucking are fucking brilliant, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not all the time, and and I completely agree with you. I think, I think the records too. I I definitely do think the record is a bit of a slog, and it's it's unfortunate because the second half of the record is is superb. I think I agree. Is is fucking brilliant. I lo- I think the second half of the record. At first, I was like, "Yeah, this is just a sort of quite a good ocean." <laughs> Not even, it's just another Ocean to Slumber album. Was mm-hmm. what I was thinking the first half. I was like, "It's just a, yes. it's Ocean to Slumber being Ocean to Slumber," yes, and. Exactly. It's not really giving me the kind of wow factor that I had when I first got them. Did I just use wow factor? That's not very good. Wow um, it doesn't give me the the same sort of rush of uh, energy that I got from them the first time that I heard them. Um, Agreed. And then you get a track like um, September, which is, you know, or September, whatever, and the rest of the stuff that it's called with it. September, September those brackets, who come before. Those who come before, which is really just strings yes. do you know what i mean it's it's like Beautiful a kind of, and though. and it's it's really really amazing and it piano, goes into piano total, and strings piano and strings piano and strings yeah which goes into total failure apparatus mm. which is six and a half minutes long really doomy in some parts really ethereal in other parts and then it just goes about five minutes in it just goes absolutely berserk, berserk and it's yeah. when it's heavy yeah. it, you know and they and they they tease you for the right length of time with yeah. enough stuff yeah. and then go crazy go really heavy really wild i think they're they're fucking they're they're it's great i think that's really great i think that's my problem with the first three tracks though because yeah i totally agree with you i think the reason why the second two thirds of the record is brilliant and the first third i'm being very rough here is Mm. coasty is because they don't use the full range of what they can do on those first three tracks, generally. Pray for Fire yeah. is probably the best example of the three, but they just... It's five minutes before Pray for Fire gets really interesting. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Too fucking long. Um, mm. I mean, the Adorned Fathomless Creation is another example of what you just said in terms of they start... Um, they build it up enough... Uh, they build up all the constituent parts and enough for the point that when they do go berserk, it really hits you. And I, and I, it's it's just it did it took me a, it took me a fair few listens to realise that actually there is some absolutely astonishing material on this record because the first three tracks put me into such a uh, an oceans of slumber coma that I. Oceans of Slumber Slumber. <laughs> Oceans, ah, there we go. Yes. And Oceans of Slumber Slumber. Uh, that I just, um, I, I just didn't even notice because I was just asleep practically, you know. But after a few listens, I realized, no, actually, there is some amazing stuff on here. But it's it's the Quentin Tarantino effect, isn't it? You know, I like Reservoir Dogs. 
practically perfect Pulp Fiction, practically perfect because though you know Reservoir Dogs is like ninety five minutes. Uh, Pulp, Fi Pulp Fiction is a good two hours and twenty, but there's enough ideas in it to justify that length. Then you get to Django Unchained, and there's a brilliant two hour movie in Django Unchained. Yeah. But I've missed out a few movies there. I know, I, I know, I know. Well, to Jackie Brown. Do you really want me to go through all of Quentin Tarantino's uh, filmography? Because I will. I just assumed you were. <laughs> I just assumed you were going to go, and then Jackie Brown's too long. Which oh, kind of is. no, Jackie Brown's the best Quentin Tarantino film. We'll discuss that. All right, day. here he is, Mark Commode. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him. rehashing Mark Commode's opinion. Oh, yeah, it's, it's no, but it is. It's so, for, anyway, another time. Another time. Um, but Django Unchained, you know, to me, this is Django Unchained. There's brilliant moments in Django Unchained. There's a brilliant two-hour film in Django Unchained. Unfortunately, I can't remember the length of it, but it's like 168 minutes or something ridiculous like that. And there's there's also guff in it, like Quentin Tarantino's fucking performance. Stop acting in your own films, Quentin. You are fucking atrocious. Um, you know, and, and I think this suffers from that. And it's a real shame because the stuff that is good on it is fucking wonderful. But it's also surrounded by a lot of meh. I say surrounded by it's mainly at the beginning to be fair but yeah yeah I I, I think a bit of meh is kind of harsh because ultimately mm -hmm. Oceans of Slumber are still probably a better metal band than a lot of contemporary metal bands mm. still even those first three songs I just think they have hit some incredible heights before you've tilted your head as if to say I'm not sure about that but no, when don't... you think of the majority I mean put it this I do way, agree right? I we, do agree with you we were very like we both of us were very like oh that's cool on that orbit culture record yeah yeah right yeah. now i think that is one of the better sort of straight down the line metal releases of the year and i praised how many different types of metal influences it had in it i still think oceans of slumber are capable of doing more than that oh definitely yeah yeah definitely so you know even at kind of in sort of second gear i think they're still better than a lot of what passes for sort of, you know, contemporary metal. I do in agree. 2020. I totally agree with you. And you've got to give fucking loads of credit to Cami Gilbert. Um, I mean, if you want to understand just how much Cami Gilbert brings to this band, I'd recommend going back to, well, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you go back to Oceans of Slumber's debut album, um, Ethereal, I think it's called, Cami's not mm. on that record. And, there's nothing wrong with ethereal per se but they do sound like a another one of these bands really on that record and as soon as they bring cammy in i mean that soulful kind of quite deep croon that she has it's just stunning you know um and and she does uh, she's an amazing amazing presence and she's brilliant on this record you know she is really really good on it um i think you alluded to something towards earlier on in this review, which is the thing that is bugging me. Not with the album, but I'm not going to wang on about how I hate the metal press because fuck me, I've done it a lot. But in this particular case, <laughs> <laughs> but in this particular case, this is one of those cases where I just go all the amazing, amazing, amazing reviews that this album is getting. Those reviews should have been given to this band four years ago with Winter. And there's and there is this constant thing that we fight against all the time of journalists being scared to uh, to say what they really think of a band until a band have reached a certain status of 
being respected until until you realize that a band are going to stick around and are going to stick it out um and there's very very few certainly in the more mainstream kind of metal press there's very few uh reviews that would have given winter the time of day or the amount of kind of word count that that it sh it should have had and it deserved and the truth is what myths me about it is this record is the one that's getting all the notices and all and and all the all the kind of attention and all the like really really positive reviews and I think objectively, despite the fact that when it's good, it's fucking brilliant. And it really is. I think it's objectively the worst Oceans of Slumber album with Cami on it. Because of the Quentin Tarantino effect of having too much guff in it. And not having not having someone going, you should probably you should probably just make that a B-side. You should probably, you know, take that off the record. You probably don't need 12 songs. You probably don't need this album to be 71 minutes and 32 seconds, you know. And does that matter at the end of the day? Not really, but it does grate on me and it does piss me mm. off um, because, you know, I think Winter deserved the praises that this album is getting. And I don't think... I think this is good, but it's. But it, I think when it's good, it's really, really good. But it is massively flawed as well, and I don't think most of the reviews reflect that at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, hard to disagree with a lot of what you just said. To be fair, I mean, I don't think it's a you know a nine mm. that it got a nine in in Hammer, for example. I've not seen what it got in Kerrang. Um, but I mean, I thought the Ban and like you know, but then it's weird, isn't it? Because I mean, I think the Banished Heart is comfortably better than Winter. Do personally. you? Yeah, uh, I don't. I think it's just a much better version of. It, it feels like I think the production's better. I think the songs are better. I think they had improved upon what was good about Winter, and I think Winter's fucking excellent. Yeah, I think some stuff on this, obviously, as we've spoken about, I think is fucking excellent as well. But yes, the worst one. I mean, I'm maybe I I may well think that I may well agree with you on that though. Mm that it's the, the the least good of the three but i still think it's very good i oh, mean I agree, talking about yeah. things they don't need do they need the typo negative cover at the end mm, mm. now again from the conversations that we've had i know that we both really like this a lot and yeah. certainly if the record had been shorter i'd be very happy to have a typo negative cover at the end but i feel like the record as it is by the time you've got it's 65 minutes before that cover starts and then it's like, right, now you're giving us a cover. And this isn't a deluxe edition or anything like this. This is the standard edition of the record. I mean, look, it is really good, that Wolfman cover. Do you like it? I really like it. I mean, I think even in the midst of some really, really great moments in the second half, yeah. type of negative songwriting yeah. just yeah. shines yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really yeah. does. And it's, I should, it, I for should me, say it's well. comfortably the best compositional song on yeah. the entire record yeah, well, which yeah, just goes to yeah. show i think that says something in it even amongst um oceans of slumber who i consider one of the very very much one of the better bands of the last sort of you know decade for this type of thing typo negative in terms of songwriting smoke them yeah but that's just because they're typo isn't it I, I, yeah I, yeah i mean yeah i agree but but you know that's like saying you know jesus is better than stephen hill uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ob objective isn't it? 
Sorry to say it, mate. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 look, it's a great cover. And um, Oceans of Slumber have covered uh, Typo in the past. They did October Rust on the um, Winter Tour, which was fucking great as well. Um, if the album had been shorter, I would have welcomed it a lot more than I did, if that makes sense. Um, I just, yeah, I just want them to have a an editor standing over them and going, not even an editor, just someone going, this album, look, right, really simply, I never like to do scores normally, but really simply, Winter I'd give a nine, Banished Heart I'd give an eight, and this I'd give a seven. It's, it really mm. is that simple for me. And the reason for that is not because necessarily the songs are getting worse, it's because they're losing the quality control in terms of the other guff that they put on it. Mm. Um, and... You know, it it didn't bother me that much for The Banished Heart because I probably would have lost one song from The Banished Heart. Winter, I would have just snipped bits and pieces here and there. But with this one, it's like you you guys have really bolted and gone way too far with this one. And and I do think, I don't want to be hoity-toity, oh, we're the best, oh, oh, music journalism is the hardest job in the world. But one of the things that we have to, one of our responsibilities is to say that to bands i think and i think it's a real shame when everyone's like oh this album's absolutely incredible when there's clear objective flaws with it uh, you know and i think i think there's a lot of people not doing their job properly by by giving it like these absolutely stunning reviews and it's this whole thing of kind of like it does feel like there's a lot of people who go oh we probably should have been nicer to winter and the banished heart so let's just give them a decent score for this one but that's not mm. how it should work you know, mm. you should just take every record as a case by case basis. And that gets on my tits. Fair enough. Um, I will just say the the type of going back to the typo cover really, really quickly. It's pretty straight, but yeah. it gets something new with it because Cammy's voice is really different from Pete Steele's voice. Exactly. Other than that, you just got the, got the typo version, haven't you? Why it's really you good. I mean, it is, yeah, it it is, is cool. Good. But it at that good. point, is it needed? No. Nah, not really. Um, anyway, there you go. Ocean to Slumber, the self-titled album, is out right now. Still very much worth listening to if oh, you yeah. are a fan, I yeah. would say. Just start um, from track four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to our next record. It's called Lie Out Loud. It comes from Blocks, the debut album from the London-based indie band that we first featured when they had, I think it was two singles, maybe three singles, um, all the way back yeah. on episode number one. Episode number one. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a little while since we've spoken about Blocks. They were tipped as a band to watch. I think they were one of the bands that I picked. They, um, they were, yeah. Yeah, uh, that I found. And I thought they would have had this kind of really cool sort of 90s slacker, shoegazy, grunge, indie pop vibe to them. A kind of mixture of like Elastica and um, Ride, mm. um, but with a bit of a sort of an alt rock tinge to them and i really like them they a did. bit a bit yeah. like a bit like um well, we spoke at porridge radio mm. um this this earlier this year and they've got a similar sort of sound and they've actually ended up being nominated for the mercury music prize yeah. uh on the back of that record that we spoke about that both of us were really really keen on i think it's a great record personally if, um, if i recall correctly i need to double check this but if i recall correctly they're supporting biffy clyro in um in glasgow as well i think Porridge Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Which is cool. That's good. They're like there's yeah. they're they're like the first support out of 
one or two out of two or three supports, but they are they are supporting Biffy Clyro, so that's fantastic. Good record that, yeah. But grunge yeah. light, a um, little bit of pumpkins, a little bit of early feeder, a little bit of yep. the cure, even mm-hmm. I think a little bit of um, yeah. you're not as okay with them, but a little bit of the shins as well. I would say, yeah, yeah. really really interesting, promising band just from the singles that we heard. We heard it was songs like blah, Second Opinion, Novocaine, yeah. like really, yeah, de- decent. Second opinion, particularly, Second I opinion was like, the one, this yeah. is a fucking great song and i imagined a world where both they and milk teeth were on tour together yeah. playing massive playing brixton academy sized venues Ooh. because um well nice. you know at, at the time Would've i think it'd be nice but yeah at the time i think it was you know milk teeth were on the front cover of kerrang and that mm. first album had everyone really really excited and blocks as well were getting a little bit of uh, a little tiny little bit of traction and they sort of continued to um get a bit of traction um i have to say now this is my problem right this is not the band's problem necessarily mm-hmm. this is my problem and i'm going to acknowledge that before we start reviewing this record they've not I, really i'm probably evolved. going to echo what you're saying i'm, I'm imagining yeah it, yeah go on they they have not really evolved how i personally would have been hoping that they, they did evolve. Mm, yeah. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um there's a lot less of that kind of 90s indie slacker thing going on in this and there's a lot more shiny 1975 kind of shimmering modern pop. I would say the 90s slacker pop. Uh sorry the 90s sort of slacker uh vibes and like that whole thing and all l7 kind of thing anything like yeah. that has almost entirely disappeared and we are talking yep. about a pop band with guitars now which is mm-hmm. fine we've discussed mm-hmm. Haim. um you know that the, then oh god give me another example Haim's not a good enough example um i think Haim's a pretty good example yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think okay. Haim's actually the the best example oh, okay. of something right. which would be relevant to this yeah, personally yeah but a, a essentially a pop band but who play you know the traditional vo- uh, with vocals bass drums guitar kind of thing mm-hmm. which is you know mm. nothing in and of itself wrong with that but yes uh very difficult to deny that either of us probably would have preferred if they'd stuck to the slacker slacker kind of grunge like thing Mm. and i've um i sort of follow them on social media and they do a lot of like chat on social media about what they're into and what they're talking about and the last few years they have been i've seen them kind of go oh you know particularly the 1975 they seem really really keen on right so i was like oh here we go Mm (laughs) um yeah i mean we sort of said last week when we were chatting about puvris that the thing about Paris is, is there are lots of artists doing the thing that they do in pop that they do to a, a far higher standard than Paris do. Hence why Paris decided to sort of go, oh, if we call ourselves a rock band, yeah, then we'll be thought of as something a bit different yeah. and we can sort of hang around in a different crowd. I think blocks have that in sort of reverse now because They've basically manoeuvred themselves out of a place where they were kind of a bit of a curio uh, within the scene to being now part of something I consider 
a bit like a different scene entirely but there are a lot of people who are doing this already and a lot of people who are probably doing it a little bit better this isn't a bad album no no i mean you said it i think quite perfectly having just spoken about oceans of slumber it gets in and it gets out quite yes. nicely yes i said this in our private conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's um 12 songs it's 39 minutes and 22 mm. seconds I mean, it's almost o- half only yeah only one song goes over the four minute mark exactly yeah it's 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 almost half the length of the oceans of slumber record i do appreciate they're completely different types of bands and they're trying to do completely different things but certainly i i didn't feel like this album dragged at any point i didn't feel like that it went on too long i didn't feel like any of the songs were too long and and yes as as you said uh and initially i said but you they they do get in and get out in a very smart manner and and they don't mm. they don't over egg the pudding you know with the songs i don't think um and i don't think i think i think quite a few of these songs are you know quite well crafted pop songs um yeah whilst they they aren't strictly to my taste i can't exactly say that they're bad per se um there's a few really good ones i mean i think there's a massive chorus on five thousand miles mm-hmm. a massive chorus mm-hmm. off my mind is a really good little pop song as well it's got a kind of that's got like a girl band chorus and i mean that as a compliment that that to me sounds like uh it could it could be like girls aloud or something do you know what i mean it's yeah it's wicked that's interesting you say that because i thought off my mind sounded like that horrendous duet that robbie williams and kylie minogue did so I thought I just assumed you'd hate that. <laughs> I've never pinned those two things together, to be honest. But now you've maybe, said it. Maybe I've ruined it for you. I don't know. But You might well have done. I'm going to go back and listen to um, the Robbie Williams' entire back catalogue just to make sure. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like any songs that I think I like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, I, I suppose I can't really strictly say that Off My Mind's a bad song, but it annoyed me. And uh, it, it annoys me because it reminded me of that song, which I find cloying and irritating. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I like coming up short. I think coming up short is a really, really good song. Yeah, that's uh, the other one that I've got. That and what you needed were the ones that I was like, these are really, these are good songs. Oh, these are good. I think what you needed made me feel sick. <laughs> I know you knew you wouldn't like that. It's so mushy and so sentimental and so it's just a well i said it's an acoustic ballad that's just plonks on the ends that makes me want to be sick <laughs> oh, well you know um, I, thought again, it was, I thought it was quite a nice little i mean i, I, I can't guess I, say it's a bad song just made me want to no. be sick okay fair enough i mean i <laughs> i think on the, once I, the first time i listened to this because i had been listening to blocks's eps and singles beforehand yeah. blocks's blocks. blocks uh um i was like what the fuck what's happened here mm, and yeah. i was pretty disappointed i was like oh no everyone's doing this you don't need to do this yeah everyone's doing it you're not going to be as good for like you, you were good yeah. um and then sort of second third time around i was like okay you what you know now that i know what it is you are pretty good at this and what you and, and it, it completely changed my um again i recalibrated what i thought they were meant to be mm. and that meant that a song like you know if a, if what you needed was on live through this by hull 
you'd be like, what in the actual fuck is yeah. that doing here? Yes. But because it's on here, yeah. you go, well, of course it's on here. Of mm. course. It's the sort of song that should be on here. Mm. Um, and... <laughs> yeah, I know, well, I know what you mean. Being, I'm being... You know what I mean. I know what you mean. And, uh, you know, and but I think... Um, it's just not a great album all the way through, I think is the problem is yeah. that, I mean, you said it, it's short and it keeps your attention. I actually found myself sort of wondering. I never felt like it was too long, but I found my mind wandering a lot when it was on. Well, I, well, I just feel that about pop music full stop. <laughs> so, okay. Even pop music that I like, even that Hayley Williams album, I'll feel my mind wandering because there's only so much by its very nature and again this is going to sound like a far harsher critique than i mean it to by its very nature there isn't loads and loads and loads and loads and loads going on in pop music or if there is loads going on it's all done in a very subtle manner there isn't loads going on in it in a in the manner of oceans of slumber or i mean big destroyer for example that we're going to get onto in a minute Mm. um very similar album to the blocks album um that and as a result of there not being loads and loads going on and and the music that I tend to like having lots going on, it, it makes my mind wander quite a lot. But that's just pop music as a whole for me. That's just the way that I feel about most of it. Um, mm. But um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, I don't think it's too long. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, they have just gone off in a direction that we didn't want them to go in, which which isn't, yeah isn't a great way to review something but it is quite difficult for us to deny that i think i mean if second opinion was on this album it would be comfortably the best song on the the album oh it would be comfortably the best song and i'm not actually sure i think it would actually stick out like a sore thumb as well oh yeah my god it would stick out like a sore thumb definitely but it would still be the best song on the record easily by uh by uh, some distance easily and and objectively i would say and Mm. um it kind of feels like they, you know, were aware that they were a big fish in a small pond and they wanted to be a big fish in a big pond. So they've so, sort of shifted what they're doing a little bit. But as you say, there are so many people who are doing this. And, you know, for a debut record, this is pretty good. But there's a lot mm. of other people out there doing this, doing it much, much better, to be totally honest. Um, So whilst they want to be a big fish in a big fo- pond realistically they're just going to be a small fish in a big pond oh lots of ponds and fishes there but Do you know, know what, what it mean. reminds me of lower than atlantis ah uh, yes absolutely yes do you know what i mean like lower than atlantis who i was never a massive fan of lower than atlantis but i do think kind of world record and the one that came after that had some really great songs on it do you mean fuck, fuck you and uh world record? fuck you world record maybe yeah. I, I can't fuck remember. you games um, first but yeah, yeah. and then you know their self-titled album which was the real like here we go radio one pop thing like had some really really great songs on it oh, really really enough. good songs on it i just but said a raspberry noise because i'm a professional you critic. did yep. yes um you know that had some really wicked wicked songs on it but i thought it was perfect. ultimately ultimately it was sort of four songs uh, and a load of stuff that sounded like stuff that was already was happening that album it didn't it wasn't really an album it was just like a few good songs yeah. and it was a bunch of stuff that it, they lost that idiosyncratic thing that they had before and yeah, i sort I of feel like that about this as well i agree i agree there you go i agree um lie out loud by blocks actually came out last week but it's still out now uh let's listen move second, on listen to second opinion and headspace the yeah. ep is quite good as well 
Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. Um, our next album comes from Bill Callahan. It's called Gold Record. It is his seventh studio album under his solo moniker um, from the former smog singer-songwriter. A bit of background for those of you who may not be familiar with the work of Bill Callahan and what he's done over his career. Confession, um, I'm one of those people, yeah. Yes, he's basically spent about three decades writing. Um, I mean, he was smog basically mm. bill callahan was smog who released 11 um, albums it was a pseudonym wasn't it do you want to make your yeah. pseudonym joke here or? no no not no, again good. not again good. um uh he really made it enough haven't you steve uh, yeah i, I, think <laughs> I actually have um <laughs> he released 11 albums that range from kind of lo-fi indie to kind of country tinged folk um between 1990 and 2005 uh the last one that he made featuring a certain Joanna newsom on it Renfrey. hello i love her i know you're yeah, I know you do. Um, he then went into his solo career and has made six albums before this one. Um, the last one being a album called Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest, which came out last year. Um, oh, I can't. Sounds like a Renfrey Deppen title. It does. I had, doesn't I had a it? song called Cheap and Wolf's Clothing. That was a <laughs> niche joke. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, really niche. Particularly really... if you hadn't actually revealed the name of that song until <laughs> just then. That's not how comedy works, is it, Steve? I mm. just realised that. Okay, cool. Not really. Uh... Not really. Um, I just wanted to bring this in because I, uh, I had done, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have heard all kind of eighteen of the albums that Bill Callahan has put out over his entire career. But I, do you know what? In my notes, I thought he was responsible for 21 albums. I don't know if I've miscounted oh, or if you've miscounted. Because I was going maybe to, I, was, I just did that in my head then, and I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I was, I was just, so gonna, I was just going to make the the, the, the Devon Towns. The reason why I bring it up is because I was going to make the Devon Towns and um, um, comparison, certainly not musically, mm. but but it just in terms of um, workload and 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 yeah, I, I counted him being responsible for 21 albums in the past 30 years, which is pretty astonishing. Mm. Like like fair play mr callahan that's amazing yeah i was having a conversation with a musician in a band that i like a lot it doesn't really matter who stay out of my business um <laughs> and and he brought up bill callahan he built and he brought up smog and we were talking about things like um we were talking about bob dylan and then we started talking about leonard cohen and then we started talking about people like nick we, we basically we were talking about singer songwriters who write fantastic uh lyrics that sounds kind of like, paint sounds like this musician you were talking to was me no it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it was i should have said it's someone that i really respect <laughs> oh no that's not me <laughs> so it's definitely not you um uh, anyway i brought up bill callahan uh, he brought up bill callahan and oh, he said have he, you ever heard oh, for fuck's sake. Yes, it is. <laughs> and um uh, he brought up Bill Callahan. He said, oh, "Like you know, I, I go back to those Smog albums all the time." And he was like, "Because I think he's one of the best people at like writing lyrics that make you smell the room." He said, "You can kind of feel like you can smell the room." Very and nice. I was like, "I really should give that Smog a listen." So I sort of went back and I did the old. Well, uh, to be honest, I did the old Smog radio on spotify oh, and i was old like smog radio we're all familiar with it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's got spotify probably is to be fair <laughs> not particularly but you know when you get yeah, an yeah, artist yeah, yeah. you have the um and i just thought it was a um a really kind of eclectic and beautiful woozy 
listen to listen yeah. to this guy yeah. um kind of talk through all of these various um places and experiences it was really good and it made me go ah bill callahan feels like you're in the room with him doesn't it yes and and i thought you know i must remember that name and as i was doing that um this uh this record well i I noticed this record was coming out um and so here it is uh and i think this is just a really really lovely record renfrey a beautiful lo-fi country folk record which is so slight Mm -hmm. and so quiet and you can it's one of those records where you can hear the buzz of the room Mm. before the track starts Mm. yeah do you know what i mean where you go that's that's a guy sat in a room Mm. and it's just him and his thoughts really kind of them you know he's kind of regaling you with these various regrets and these various scenarios and he is so brilliant at creating a scenario from nothing but quite a quiet voice and quite a quiet guitar agreed Uh, there's a beautiful lo-fi sensibility sensibility to this record apparently six of the 10 tracks were recorded in one take on this record Mm. which i think is pretty astonishing um you can tell that uh he's sort of I mean, I'm not saying that they are necessarily, but they all they do almost feel like he's just picked up a guitar and he's just improvising his thoughts out. And that could mm. be considered a really bad thing, but he's such a master at it that you you want to listen to what he has to say, you know? Um, and he's got this absolutely beautiful baritone voice. It's a very latter-day Eddie Vedder voice very latter-day yeah. eddie vedder and i do stress the latter-day eddie vedder because you know there's there's a lot of people who um are, are put off by eddie vedder's vocals for some reason because he, he supposedly invented that yarl thing even though that is actually eddie vedder's voice and other people copied it um but it, it's not the yarl thing it's a far more deeper resonant baritone thing i don't know how familiar you are with the eddie vedder solo material but there's definitely i've heard bits and bobs bits and bobs there's definitely uh there's definitely some some uh similarities i have to say i think callahan's eddie vedder brings you in in a really we talked about how eddie vedder's just amazing at making an arena feel like your living room you know um and Eddie Vedder has an amazing way of doing that on record. I think Callahan, in that specific way, I mean, it's even more kind of, I wanted to lead in on it even more. I don't know if Bill Callahan's capable of making the O2 Arena feel like my house, you know, like Eddie Vedder is. But but unfortunately, he's nowhere near big enough to no, get that opportunity. N- no, <laughs> no, no, no. But but I was, but I really was impressed. I was I was absolutely captivated from the very moment, the very first lyric on this record is hello i'm johnny cash um and i thought well you're not johnny cash mr callahan but i want to know why you said that and i was all i was just immediately captivated and immediately wanted to know what he was gonna tell me and what what it was gonna be about and i felt that way for the whole record yeah he says stuff like there's a line there's a lyric um on the album that is you don't drink so we don't argue Mm. yeah Uh, and it's like that that is a story that is one two three four five six that's seven words right not in the deftone sense that's seven that is a story (laughs) of a relationship (laughs) (laughs) that is a story of a relationship in seven words exactly like this is 
you know, it, it's a it's such a great week to have this record in because mm-hmm. Oceans of Slumber are are prog like over the top, not over the top, but like they are huge winding prog metal epics right you've got blocks who have kind of transferred all of that kind of lo-fi shoegazy indie energy into big production Mm. stark sounding computerized pop Mm. we're going to talk about pig destroyer Destroyer. in a minute (laughs) which is is exactly the same as this to be honest yeah (laughs) who are just an absolute like barrage of sound Mm. and then we've also got 68, 68. who again, mm. even though there's two of them, just delight in making mm. as much noise as possible. Yeah. And slap bang in the middle of it, mm. you have got this guy who is the absolute master of minimalism. And, and, and arguably it's the most effective record of the five. Yeah, I mean, it would it be... I mean, obviously we're talking about two EPs, but in terms of the best album of the week... Uh, I it think was oceans, oceans of slumber, or blocks, or this. Well, it's between oceans of slumber and this, uh, and blocks. Uh, I, I'm I'm not even counting blocks. <laughs> it's not. It's blocks right. isn't a contender. Um, it's it's well. Let's say this. I do think objectively, it's the best album of the week. Mm. Um. It's so di- they're so different. They're so different. They're so different. They're so different. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard one to do. But what what, what I am saying, or what I'm trying to, to, we're taking the kind of long way around saying this, is that people who say to you, you know, music can only be good, you know, oh look how easy that is to play, or look how like there's nothing to it. Like yes, there is there is very little to this. Very little. Yeah, it's It's very. It, yeah. It's slight. Yep. as you like um but it is just it, it it completely changes the app when i i put this on the first time i put this on i was i was washing up and i put this on i had it on in the background and Inside it just complete life? yeah i know i do a lot of like listening to music while i'm washing up um uh <laughs> when's your um, just, when's your memoirs you... coming out again because i'm really excited for this <laughs> <laughs> The washing up diaries. Yeah, yeah I could do that. Um, <laughs> Don't. <laughs> but it just completely changed the 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 feel of my house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. I went for a walk. I went for a walk yesterday. I went for a really long walk, and I put this on, and I was walking through the forest while I was listening to it. And again, it just went from being like, "Oh, this is a really nice walk," to mm. almost being something. Magical. profound yeah profound yeah, yeah yeah i was um having a very stressful train journey um yesterday actually and i was completely completely totally stressed out and i was like i'm gonna listen to that bill callahan record and the calming effect that it had on me and just every any sort of i it just totally totally de-stressed me and i felt just so much calmer and just so much better uh changing the molecules in the room you know it's that whole mm. thing isn't it um and he's just has such a calming wonderful voice i don't know where to go next with bill callahan and smog but i want to know more like based on this record alone i want to know more um mm. i thought it was lovely like not everyone is gonna love this record there's gonna be a lot of people who just don't get who just aren't into lo-fi stuff and that sort of lo-fi sensibility thing and that's fair enough 
Um, but um, I thought this was just beautiful kind of storyteller music. There's a big, we haven't really talked about them all that much um, on here yet. And um, it's a bit of a shame that we haven't, but there's a big Sun Kill Moon vibe to mm. this. Um, you know, and I mean, Sun Kill Moon has done some incredible records. Um, he's done a couple of records with uh, Heizu as well, which if you're into the slightly heavier stuff, that might be quite a good way into this sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, just that, just that sort of, that feeling of someone sitting down and just almost telling you a profound, interesting, fascinating story, like storytelling stuff. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's a wonderful record. Absolutely beautiful record. It's really, really good. And I think also what we should say is that there, there probably are still people who came to this show because of our work in rock music and metal. And there might be people, I mean, I'm sure people who are into Bill Callahan would probably and and that's the type of thing they normally listen to they might struggle with what we're about to talk about um but i would say to them you absolutely should invest your time in trying to work out the kind of mechanics and you know and, and familiarizing your palate so that you can see why we're so kind of involved in those bands mm -hmm. and i'm going to say it on the flip as well mm -hmm. if you're someone who listens you know who listens to the podcast and you mostly like metal and you've gone well they're doing pig destroyer and oceans of slumber this week but i really don't care when they start talking about you know um uh when they start talking about neil young and stuff i'm like ah, fuck that mm. like you really should you know all art is in its different myriad forms is absolutely worth your time invested in the very best of it and i think this is a apart really really <laughs> no, apart from pirate metal um but um but i do think that you should listen to an album like this and really go okay now this is clearly a a very good example of that thing and i suppose you know some people just don't aren't going to like that type of thing yeah, some yeah, people yeah. aren't going to like pig destroyer some people aren't going to want to listen to bill callahan yeah but both of them are really, I'm sort of spoiling it for Pig Destroyer a bit, but both of them are kind of masters at doing that thing. Yep. It's just a really, really different thing. Yep. Um, and I absolutely would say to people, you know, it's, you will get, like if you can get into a mindset where you, 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 you like and understand or want to kind of enjoy this type of thing, you will get so much out of records like this eventually. And this would not be a bad place to start. If I, you're I do that. I totally agree with you, and I'm I'm really glad you said that as well. Actually, Steve, I think that's a really really good point worth making. Um, I don't think this is a terrible start, but I mean, I did just mention it. If you are coming from that rockier metal world, um, a a good uh, bridge may well be the two collaborations that Sun Kill Moon and Heizu have done because you still have that kind of, I mean, Jesus not heavy, 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 but you've got that sort no. of heavy sludgy shoegaze thing going on. There's distorted guitars in it basically, but you know, Sun Kill Moon just doing his thing over the top of it. It's uh, Mark Kolzelski or something like that. Um, and that might not, that might not, I do agree. This isn't a bad starting point, but th if, if you're coming from that end of it, that might not be a bad place to start, to be honest with you. And mm. then giving this one a go, um, definitely. But it, yeah. in a way, in a way, this type of thing, I think is, is for some people, it would be as impenetrable, in, in, impenetrable, impenetrable, fuck it out. It would be as, yes, um, as extreme metal. Yes. 
yes. because it is that slight. Yeah, you know. So I, I know, I know exactly I think where you're coming from. Yeah, they yeah. they are the same. They are the same. Different sides of the same coin. This is the whole. I mean, this is a massive part of us doing this podcast in the first place. Part of mm. the reason why we did it. Um, we are so there just, you go. We are just trying to talk about good music at the end of the day. And you know, yeah. Big spoiler alert. Pig Destroyer is fucking great. This is fucking great as well. They're just fucking great for two entirely different reasons. Um, so there you go, yeah. Bill Callahan. That is one side of the coin. Let's go into the other side of the coin. As you said, Pig Destroyer. It's the fucking octagonal great. Let's stairway. Move on. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's it's fucking an EP great. from yeah. the Grindcore Legends coming nearly two years after. After the release of the still brilliantly exceptional Head Cage record, which both of us, I think, had in our top 20 albums of the year. We did. Um, in 2018. I A wicked still, record. I still put Head Cage on all the fucking time. And I think at the time I said, you know what? This might be my favourite Pig Destroyer record, which is a controversial opinion. Most people would go for Terrifier or Book Boner. Book, Book Boner? <laughs> Book Burner. <laughs> Sorry. Or Prowler in the Yard, the correct answer? Um, uh, there, are, there are certainly people that would say that. I mean, yeah. Uh, no, Prowler in the Yard. Hey, hey, hey. The purest in me yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, calling yeah, it Prowler yeah. in the Yard. Uh, but this, I, is like, this is like, 40, this is like um, calculating infinity. I was going to say, this is just album. like calculating infinity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I fucking love Head Cage. I think it was an absolutely masterful piece of... Uh, uh, an unusual record for pig destroyer i mean there were songs that were longer than a minute on it um but this is <laughs> this is effectively uh the octagonal uh, octagonal stairway ep uh which i'll just re-say because i've talked over you saying that uh is mm -hmm. effectively b-sides from head cage more or less and a couple of oh, is it? yeah and a couple of experimental I didn't tracks. Know that. well one of the mm. songs is called head cage um, yes i mean i did i did know that, like that. <laughs> um i knew uh, i i'm i'm of the i am of the impression that it is effectively b-size from head cage i mean okay i think i'm doing partly guesswork from that but just i'm also saying it because i think it's very head cage-esque certainly in its first yes half. i i mean i think what we get here i mean i didn't know that and i've written down this is a continuation of the the the, the head cage sound from, i believe which that was, is the case yeah which was um, pretty different for for Pig Destroyer, Pig I think. Destroyer. Um, you know, I mean, going back to, uh, they have got. A, a, I think they've. I mean, you mentioned, well, you mentioned two other albums there that you thought would. Oh, most people would say these two are the best ones, and yet neither of us think that there are personal favourite ones. Book Burner's fucking incredible. Uh, incredible uh, I mean, yeah. it is brilliant, and yet I still. I mean, I love Prowl in the Yard. I just think it is unbelievable. And and head and head cage came along, and it was like, oh, I mean, we were mentioning stuff like Lamb of God when we were talking about uh, head cage, which is absolutely not what you would be thinking about usually when you're talking about Pig Destroyer. Mm. Like, um, mm. and so you get the title track, the cavalry, um, and cameraman. Cameraman is just mm. unbelievable, and yeah. and that kind of extreme metal clatter that grind mixed with a dun 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 dun, the kind of chug that they put in the groove and the chug that they they brought in um far more than they ever had before i think yes in, in um in the last record is there again and i mean i don't really have much more to say about that uh, those three songs i'll i'll, uh, I'll just other add, than they're brilliant i'll just add they're undoubtedly 
very extreme tracks, very fast, very brutal, very savage, not for the faint of heart, etc., etc., etc. But they're somehow really memorable as well. And I think that mm. was the key thing that we thought was so brilliant about Headcage, and I continue to think is still brilliant about Headcage. Um, probably a bit of a stretch to say that these songs have hooks in them, but they certainly stick in your brain uh, in a way that a lot of bands of pig, a lot of pig destroyers contemporaries don't. Well, they what what they do is they kind of grindcore is a difficult. Um, it's difficult to move to grindcore. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's difficult to find where and how you move like to, to like dance to grindcore the one thing i always loved about norsem is i felt like they did have those big head bobby bits that yeah. were you know wicked and that you could actually kind of you could find the groove in it somewhere yeah, yeah. um and then pick the destroyer groove. that's the, that's the phrase it's difficult to yes. find the groove whereas i think these songs you can find them i agree and the last couple of you know the last couple of releases you've been able to find that groove far easier yeah. um but, you know, they are, like I say, continuations of, of that Headcage sound. That Headcage album was brilliant. If you like that, you're definitely going to like the first three. It's where the second half of the EP goes, where I think that is obviously the talking point of the EP. Um, you, get a, you get a very, very short thing called News Channel 6, which is almost like a sort of an intermission if you like a sort of white bridge between the things white zombie-esque kind of their their sort of intermissionary tracks that sort of thing yeah and uh and then you get into head cage as we mentioned which is i like a kind of uh, this sort of quiet noise rock fizzle which i really like before we get into the big big talking point i guess which is soundwalker which is an 11 minute plus closing track really really industrial got a lot of synthwave vibes on it again but certainly the darker more um uh more kind of ambient synthwave stuff like that last perturbator album mm -hmm. that i spoke about new model um got igor cavalera on it as well yeah yeah popping up what's he doing eh he does all this doesn't he he fiddles with um synths and he started playing all kind of keyboardy bits Eagle okay Cavalera. okay okay yeah. okay okay bit like jonathan davis when he did his dubstep thing except not as embarrassing <laughs> at all <laughs> oh oh johnny d um yes it is a very kind of uh god how do we describe this track instrumental ambient droning noise mm -mm -mm. everyone loves a bit of that um <laughs> don't they <laughs> uh look it's not going to be for everyone uh and just from that descriptor alone i'm sure that there are going to be some people who go nope that is not for me and you know frankly fair enough uh but i do think that pig destroyer do this kind of thing to a very high standard indeed um I talk sometimes about how really, really ambient stuff. We've had some really, really ambient instrumental post-rocky type stuff that's come in. And sometimes it's gone over your head a little bit, but I've just been like, it, it, but it, it's not sort of there to be kind of, um, it's, it's sort of background music, but in a, in a, in a good way, it's, it's background mm. music that's meant to, you know, change the molecules in the room again, you know, and that kind of ambient music is, 
meant to be serving the purpose of creating a nice, serene, calming atmosphere. Soundwalker principally is doing exactly the same, except rather than creating a nice, serene, calming atmosphere, Soundwalker is attempting to scare the living fucking shit out of you. Um, and it does so in a psychological horror sense. This isn't a slasher film. It's something far more... Uh, it's a more creeping menace to it. It's more Black Swan than it is Friday the 13th. It's more the Babadook, Babadook, than it is Halloween, <laughs> you know? Uh, mm. Do you agree with all this? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think... There are no jump scares. No, In 11 yes. minutes, you don't get a jump scare, do you? Yes, yes. You don't get a, suddenly a big, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... You just get a lot of, like... Uh, <laughs> Like, what was that listen to it in headphones walking Steve, through the woods again i've told you so many fucking times stop <laughs> covering the songs on we will get in trouble um yeah, yes yeah. exactly that is exactly what it sounds like uh for 11 minutes as well and you're like god 11 minutes that's a bit long isn't it it has this song i've listened i did listen to it like i don't know half a dozen times has this song ever felt like 11 minutes to you steve no it doesn't it's, does weird, it? it's really isn't it? good yeah and it, you can't quite pinpoint how it moves but no. it does move a lot yeah. Yeah. it doesn't sound like if you just kind of if you were to go fuck it i'm not gonna listen to 11 minutes of it what happens you ever done that when you get a long song and you go yeah. right okay so start with an acoustic bit vroom, oh there's a big riff oh they're still doing that riff oh it's quiet again oh there's that big and that's 11 minutes and mm. whereas this you go well that's not like that and that's not like that and that's not like that mm. at all mm. but then you can't really see how they get when you listen to it all the way through i'm never sure how they get from one bit to the next it's very subtle it's very very subtle it's very good but every single time i'm like um i sort of put it on because i know what it is now i know what that track is now i kind of put it on and i go oh well i might not listen to the whole thing because i've got other things to review and other bits and pieces to do and all that kind of thing and i've, and I've listened to the whole thing every single time um which is not what i would necessarily expect from a track like that um and it's really difficult i mean it does make our job very difficult it is the hardest job in the world what we do but you know it is very 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 difficult to kind of pinpoint why this weird uh noise is good and someone else's weird noise isn't but it just is isn't it like this does not feel like yeah. 11 minutes and it and it's freaks the fuck out of me i was i was walking um through peckham listening to this uh it's get the fucking bejesus out of me and i mean walking through peckham at night is not a good idea anyway but fuck me i i i mean i almost had to switch it off you know like it is it's spooky um it's just really really well done pig destroy have a bit of a reputation of doing this in terms of like putting something on an ep or a special edition of an album where it there'll be a bonus track which is them just like doing something really really long and really really crazy i remember for terrifier uh i think i have the bonus edition version where there is a, a second disc i think it's the japanese version actually um which mm. has one additional song on it but the song's called natasha and it's 37 minutes and 55 seconds yes uh yes. and and it's just this big sludgy doomy thing which to be totally honest with you is not normally my cup of tea but i remember listening to natasha and being like this is really good um mm. you know and and they do well have... mate fucking even going all the way back to prowler in the yard mm. piss angel is i think it's like it's it's definitely over seven minutes long um and when you think most of the songs on that record are like 35 seconds 
52 seconds, like yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, seven minutes so, and 57 seconds. And I know that's the thing where you go, oh, bloody metal bands, they just put a long song at the end. But No, Piss Angel's a good example of it, though. Mm. Yeah. And they, you so, you know, your that's... lovely girlfriend, isn't it? <laughs> Pierce Angel, Pierce Angel, <laughs> will you be mine? Um, and that's, that's 2001. You yeah, that's uh, Wu Wu Tang Clander. <laughs> what? Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't um, mean anything. 2001, Sorry. that was as well. So it's not even, yeah. you know, to the point where it's, oh, everyone was doing it back then because they kind of weren't really. No, no. Anyway. Pig Destroyer, good. Yeah, Pig Destroyer, great, as per. Um, look, if there wasn't a, another um, album coming out from one of these prominent extreme bands in the next couple of weeks, which is fucking brilliant, uh, this would be probably one of the best extreme, let's just say extreme metal releases of the year. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Mate, you, you might have to cut that because we're not allowed to let people know that we've got the Hollywood Undead album. <laughs> So you're absolutely right. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll make sure that's cut because goodness me, if if it got out, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> I mean, that's a really easy one to guess, I have to say. But but fuck yeah. me, that record's good, isn't it? Well, the Hollywood Not, Undead. Yeah. Let, for the purposes of this, yes, let's call it the Hollywood Undead album. But no, that's not the album we're talking about. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> The Octagonal Stairway by Pig Destroyer is out now. And we end our review section with a shock review. Well, not a surprise release. A review of a surprise shock release, sort of. Because um, this only got really, this only got announced as we record like three days ago, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so we decided to chuck it in last minute. Um, because yeah the 68 love is ain't dead a brand new shock surprise wow where did that come from ep from the maniac noise rock duo you know i love being anal steve i think it is just 68 you keep calling that oh yeah you're right yeah do you know what? i've even written down 68 and i'm like they're this are they the 68 no then but you're right they're just not. 68 making, making more work for yourself i don't know stupid um <laughs> we have featured 68 a little bit here and there on the show. We did a previous writer's review about two parts Viper mm-hmm. um, excellent and an excellent record. And we spoke during that about why they should be such a great live band because Josh Scoggin was in Norma Jean initially and then the Chariot who are fucking one of the greatest live bands ever, 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 ever. Um, and I have seen them many times. You have seen them many times and they've never really smashed it live, unfortunately, which is, I think mm. why... Both of us sort of, I mean, when I think about 68, I do have a tendency to think about those live shows and go, do I really like them that much? I mean, I think the best time I'd ever seen them was last year when they supported A. I don't know why they were supporting A. I mm. mean, it was weird as fuck, but, mm. um, that's but that's live. Yeah, but that's live. Um, but like most things in their back catalogue, this is really fucking good yeah i mean just just really good it's 12 minutes yeah it's really good i love them on record um their first album i'm sure i said this during the writers review but their first album in humor and sadness was like my fifth favorite album of the year whatever year it came out and i still listen to that record all the time two parts viper is not far behind it and that was in my album of the year as well it was it was top 20 rather than top five but you know that's mm-hmm. a fucking great record as well yeah um 68 are just a fucking awesome band a uh weird ass two-piece delta blues unit i guess but mm-hmm. who 
fuck up. I mean, at, at, at the very base level, that's what they are. But they throw yeah. in so many different accoutrements and so many different like odd pedals. It's mainly Scoggin using weird fucking pedals and weird effects and weird shit that, you know, some people would actually raise their eyebrows hearing Delta Blues 68. That is that is totally what they are. But yeah. there's, they sound so alien from that in a weird way because of all the weird shit that they're putting on top of it um mm -hmm. that i would understand why some people would be like a bit like yeah but they're fucking great i love them um and yeah really this is there's not loads to say about this apart from it is really fucking good um four tracks one of which is a uh cover of david essex's rock on um yeah. which is the 1973 banger turned <laughs> yeah. into a kind of turned into a kind of clattering black key style like rock banger in it yeah it's fantastic i mean i've actually heard this song covered before by smashing pumpkins smashing pumpkins yeah, that, do yeah. a stunning rendition of this song uh which is like six and a half minutes it's got jimmy chamberlain all over the fucking kit uh it's got billy corgan going rock on, on it a lot it's fucking amazing um i don't think it's quite as good as that but it is fucking excellent like uh, and and when it came through and he was doing I, I when i finally twigged that it was rock on i was like oh my god that's amazing we did a cover special recently where we talk about bands taking a song and making it their own 68 have absolutely done that with this haven't they mm. um, yeah yeah for absolutely sure absolutely wonderful um i think my favorite song on the record is maybe maybe the lesser of two upheavals yeah that's the second song second that's song. good um i like that I like, passenger but... as well sorry go on. yeah do you not like bad bad lamb but you probably like that as well i do like it as well i just wanted to pick a highlight but now we've said all the songs so there's we've no said highlights. all the songs i really love the weird discordant electronic outro of mm. uh, of that song mm. which is really good but yes again essentially what you've got here is a cover and three songs of 68 doing kind of alt rock blues mangled and strangled and smashed to pieces and then rebuilt in their own kind of odd frankensteiny monster kind of way in 12 minutes and if you aren't familiar with this band or you are familiar with them and you've never really bothered to check them out and you just thought well i can't sit i don't know if i want to sit through a whole album or you've seen them live and you've just gone this just seems really weird i'm not sure about because they have they have supported everyone from fucking uh pod to a to palm reader yeah. to to fucking um i think palm reader supported them actually but yeah 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 oh yes you're right sorry palm yes palm reader supported them um but they supported everyone to well they supported i saw them supporting um beartooth which again right right absolutely bizarre you know yeah. really why they do i why was I'm... it pod or it was alien ant farm i think it was alien ant farm and someone else they supported they did one of those new metal tours and they were right, right at the bottom and it's like what what, what are you doing here I think they get on these bills because I think so many people have an insane amount of respect for Josh Scoggin. I think it's as yeah. simple as that. That That's yeah. my guess anyway. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, that is my guess. I'm, I'm sorry. I've just read this in the press release and I, I want to... Um, We've we've almost said this, but I this is a really good descriptor, like a Delta Blues reimagining of Bleach Era Nirvana or the disgraced mm. punkish cousin of the Black Keys. That's very yeah, good. cool. That's very that good. is very good. Yeah. 
should read the press releases. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to this band before, you've always been a bit like, ah, this is 12 minutes. It won't take you very long. It's a really good indicator of what they are. And if you like this, then you've got two very good albums to... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but, but truthfully, it's probably my least favourite thing that 68 have done, but that's not strictly due to the quality of it. It's because it's only 12 minutes long and the other ones are yeah. longer. Um, I mean, I, 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 I think In Humour and Sadness is the one for me and In Humour and Sadness is only half an hour long, so I'd probably jump on that. But, but this isn't a bad place to start. That there isn't a bad place to start with 68. No. Love is Ain't Dead by 68. Not a bad place to start. Um, Before, speaking of... Uh, really? Go on. No, I'm sorry. But I, I, I'm sorry to fuck up that, uh, that link there. But um, it has just occurred to me something else that we haven't discussed, which is out this week. And again, it was a surprise release. The Code Orange uh, live stream that you talked about last week yeah. two weeks ago yeah that is the, being released digitally this week and that was a surprise release as well we didn't want to talk yeah. about it in length because you did actually talk about it a couple of weeks ago but obviously that's worth yes. checking out yeah of course it is yeah definitely if you didn't see the um the live stream if you never saw the footage you can listen to it now and uh it's really good uh anyway um that's a good place to start the code orange oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right look, look we're just let's go on to broken records um this is how we end the show by trying to find the worst album of all time. Uh, we have had a few weeks where this feature has been pretty fucking hellish. Yeah. We've been down to some pretty grim places recently. Yeah. And although there is some grim shit surrounding this record, undoubtedly, which unfortunately, again, we're going to have to get into. A little bit, um, yeah. We're going to talk about Corey Feldman, Angelic to the Core, which was released on the 22nd of June, 2016. This is actually, yes, Corey, Fe Corey Feldman, the actor. The actor is, who you probably know, it's his fifth album. How the fuck did we get here, Renfrey? How the fuck did we get to talking about the fifth album by Corey Feldman. Well, For I, be I believe you... that they're all made by him. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. so, um, I think that's but how it was it's not happened. something I was aware that Corey Feldman had any kind of no. uh, career in music. I Neither mean, Corey Feldman, for those of you who aren't aware, was an 80s child prodigy who got his break in prodigy. a McDonald's advert. Prodigy? Yeah, he was a prodigy. Prodigy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay no. so both. <laughs> okay he went on he got his break in a mcdonald's advert as a young boy he went up to start during the 80s in the likes of the goonies the lost boys stand by me gremlins the burbs basically if you're a fan of 80s movies you probably have watched a lot of films uh and are very keen on a lot of films that feature the the talents of Corey feldman i would say you have uh been very furious with me actually in the past for not having seen the lost boys um yeah, yeah. a couple of times because we did the lost boys soundtrack uh for trade-off on trade-off and we also well, well uh did we cover uh, we covered it for something else as well for some reason lost boys definitely came up quite recently because we were doing this steve uh i found myself with a spare an hour and a half I have watched, you watched the Lost, Lost Boys. Boys. Yeah, How good Lost is Boys. Lost Boys? I don't understand. I want to go up to what? every single person who's ever recommended the Lost Boys to me and ask them 
what on earth they were talking about. That is an objectively bad film, Steve. No. It's an absolutely appalling film. Jason Patrick is woodener than a wooden stake. It's quite a good joke because it's a vampire film. Uh, Are you sure you watched the same film? The Lost Boys? The I Lost watched Boys. The Lost Boys with Kiefer, about vampires. Kiefer Jack Bauer Sutherland. Yeah, about vampires. It has not aged well, Steve. Oh, well, no. I mean, look, it's a, it's a camp. It's a kitsch, really 80s teen horror flick. I mean, I don't know why you thought you were watching, like, Darren Aronofsky's Pie or something. <laughs> like, what the... F- My favourite film. Um, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. This is I not d- La Tricolore Bleu. <laughs> this is a lost. Stop naming all my favourite films, all right? Um, I, 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 I mean, look, I love Back to the Future. I think The Goonies is quite good. You know, I lo- there was plenty of 80s films that I like. I'm not just, it's not just French cinema. It's not just the Darden brothers that I'm into. <laughs> um, but I, it's, it's well. rubbish, isn't it? It's fucking no, shit. No, 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 it's it isn't. No, it no, is. isn't. No, it's it a great. Is. No, it isn't. No, it, it is. is a great. No, it <laughs> isn't. It is a great. I watched this with my girlfriend the other week, and she was like, "It's not aged very well, this film, it's but not. it's still brilliant." She's like, "It's still just like such a great snapshot of like that, like of the ridiculous eighties. It's such a, she's like, it's such a brilliant snapshot of that period. And it's so over the top and it's so, it's so funny as well. It's fucking funny. I I can't believe my brother's a goddamn, a goddamn blood sucking vampire. Wait till I tell mom. It's like, that is fucking, that's a great joke. It's a great film. The tone's all over the place. One moment it felt like that it was a, like a truly quite gruesome horror film. And the next it was like Home Alone. Like it's just, it's just, it's all yeah. over the place. It's, it doesn't work. It's all over the place. It does time. work. <laughs> the, the best bit about that film is the grandfather by a fucking mile. He is yeah, hilarious. He's brilliant. He's that, brilliant. that final line he has where he's like, um, the, problem, the problem with living in wherever they live is all the goddamn vampires. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> like, that is brilliant. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was very, is the only person who can act in it. I quite like Star as well, but not for her acting ability. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. She's a bit of a crush of mine as a young boy. Oh, yes, please. It's just crush her, of her, so her, and, her and the one from, um, uh, well, Kim Cattrall in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, lovely mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. She, Love, lovely you know. stuff. I, I was mean, a Jennifer Connelly. If you were fit uh, in the 80s, if you were fit in the 80s, you'd have to, you were really fit. <laughs> Because most people look like shit, let's be honest. <laughs> you got to be really fit well, to my, look fit in the 80s in 2020. My first crush was Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. So, you know. Oh, mate, she's like 14 in that. Uh, no, she plays 14-year-old. My first crush, I, I was fucking eight. I'm not saying I, like, I was very, very young, all right? No, mm. no, don't, no, don't do well, that. Well, don't slag off the Lost Boys. Don't slag off the Lost Boys. <laughs> I mean, mate, this is my revenge on this is my revenge for the new radicals for you. (laughs) I'm getting you you stitched up the new radicals. Sorry, man, I just didn't think it was very good. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a nostalgia fest at best, and you know there are some wonderful films from the '80s that still hold up. Gremlins, Back to the Future, all the Indiana Joneses from the '80s. Blah blah blah. Mm. I don't think the Lost Boys is one of them. I'm sorry. Well, there you go. Renfrey leads a joyless existence, everyone. (laughs) 
anyway, I'm going to stick to three colours reds. <laughs> yeah, as if that wasn't enough of it. Mean, we haven't even spoken about any kind of music yet and you've already burnt Corey Feldman to fuck. No, I think Corey um, Feldman was fine in it. I mean, I don't know why he was doing that really low voice thing in it. His voice gets kids, lower and lower and lower with every scene. Yeah, I'll tell you why that is, mm. why I interpret that, is because kids who are trying to look hard mm. put on voice of a hard person. So you're saying he's actually a genius actor? Well, I'm saying he's made that choice mm. as an actor. I, look, I ain't got no beef he with makes, Feldman. No. I, you know, I, I, I think he's a great presence. Stand By Me is one of my favourite films of the 80s. I think Stand By Me is genuinely a classic and yes. stands up even it's today. It's a slightly different film to the it's, like it's, Lost Boys in, in every way. Film. It? It's a very yes. different film, but it's from the 80s and it stars Corey Feldman. And those are the things that we're talking about. So that's why I bring it up. Yeah, fair <laughs> you enough. You brought up the um, fucking Three Colours trilogy. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, if you watched a movie in the 80s, Corey Feldman was probably, probably in, in one it. or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so his success and his friendship with another young actor from the film we were just talking about, uh, Corey Haim, led to the two being dubbed the two Corys, and they starred in a string of films together. The main one being Licensed to Drive in 1988. That was sort of their big smash, which is now that is fucking awful. Right. Okay. okay. If you think Lost Boys is bad, your your beard will fall out if you watch <laughs> License to Drive. Well, it took me long enough to see Lost Boys, so I, I'll <laughs> yeah. try and get round to License to Drive in 2025 I'll, or something. You don't need to. You you do not need to watch License to okay. Drive. Um, so that was the sort of the 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 glory period of, uh, of Feldman's career, um, which started to kind of deteriorate a bit in the 90s he started the 90s by voicing donatello in the teenage mutant ninja turtles live action film which is actually quite good about that yeah you're right yeah yeah yeah. it's not bad that um but kind of drug drug problems um stunted his progression as an actor he actually released his debut solo album love left in 1992 oh right uh before starring in a bunch of TV shows and straight-to-video movies across the decade. In 2002, he released his second solo album, which was titled Former Child Actor, although he actually did put a band together. This is where it all gets a bit confusing because he had a band called Truth Movement, which is called Corey, Ta- uh, Corey Taylor. Um, Corey... Um, uh, a few, Corey future record, Fucking Future hell. Broken Records, Corey Taylor. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Corey Feldman's Truth Movement put an album out in mm. 1999. Mm. Um in the mid-90s, Feldman teamed up with Corey Haim once again and they starred in the reality TV show The Two Corys in the mid-noughties. Lasted for two seasons, ended in 2008, which was two years before the death of Haim in 2010. He started doing a lot of the old reality TV and talent show rounds in the next few years, mm. Dancing on Ice. So did he do Dancing on Ice? Oh, he did do Dancing on Ice. In America, um, surely? No, on ITV. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. He also spoke of his friendship um, a lot over the years with Michael Jackson. Mm. He publicly defended him from any of the allegations uh, over with him over the years. And he's actually been very, very consistent with that. He's done a concert with Truth Movement after his death um, prior to the release of their 2010 album Technology Analogy, <laughs> which I haven't heard. Which I haven't heard. Um, also throughout the years he's spoken about the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his father's assistant it's kind of a, a pretty sad story for Corey Feldman when you do when you do kind of um 
weigh a lot of these things up but we are really here to talk about his music um i think that is worth pointing out though because like what i would like to go into this just saying just very very quickly because when we're, we're uh, um, well look we're, there are some things that we're not going to say there, there's some things that we're going to say which aren't very nice about the music uh here but Corey feldman we've discussed some people in this um section of the show who have been fucking cunts like some of the most reprehensible evil shits of all time Corey feldman to be super clear is not one of those people if anything Corey feldman is a victim um and mm. i'd like to make it super super clear before we start any of this whilst yeah i know there's some dodgy bits and pieces but i think mm. i think well, i think the dodgy bits and pieces are very likely a result of a, a very heinous life that he has lived and i think the dodgy bits and pieces that we're going to talk about are nowhere near as bad as some of the awful no, shit no. that we talked about in the past so i just i, I agree i was going to kind of save that to the end okay. i was just yeah, going to sort yeah, of preface it with it now. Like, i just wanted yeah, yeah. to i just wanted to make that clear before we started talking about it at all because i think that's important to say uh, in early 2016, Feldman asked his fans to fund the album on the site Indiegogo with a goal to hit of $105,000 to make the record. Mm. Uh, it ended up raising $14,982. It's a lot of money. Uh, feels like a lot of money in both cases. To be in honest. both cases. I mean, to be fair, these <laughs> yeah. days, you know, we sort of said this before, but imagine what, you know, a, like a, a Jamie Lemon or a, or a Palm Reader could do with that kind of, I'm going to imagine what they could do with $105,000, even $15,000. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's a lot of money I mean, these days. You do record. think, did you really need 105 grand <laughs> to make this record? And then you hear it and you go, you probably needed a hell of a lot more than that. You needed probably more money than Guns N' Roses needed to make Chinese democracy. <laughs> well, well, I suppose that's the first thing to say, isn't it? This record sounds cheap. It does, yeah. It sounds like um, at least half of it. Have we mentioned it's a double album yet? No, because at this point it hasn't been made yet. They're still trying to fundraise it. Apologies, apologies. Okay. Um, it uh, did get made. It, yeah. it got made, as you say. It is a double album. Um, he roped in some guests, including Fred Durst, making his third appearance on Broken Records, <laughs> and joint record holder, Snop Doog. <laughs> Snop Doog is back. He's back. His, he's actually, unbelievably, Snop Doog is not even in the pot at all for Broken <laughs> Records. But yet he still keeps popping up. Hello. I'm willing to lend my talents well, more like to your... Hello, <laughs> I'm willing to lend my talents. Yeah. Um, anyway, reviews are pretty fucking thin on the ground. To be fair, uh, it's not really do you, do been you mean, reviewed. Do you mean that there were reviewers who didn't want to listen to all 94 minutes and 41 seconds of this album? That's a surprise. It would, it would appear so. It doesn't <laughs> seem to have been reviewed by the NME or by uh, Rolling Stone or by any of the big places at all. Um, yeah, uh, there was. I mean, one of one of the big places to get your music reviews these days is Anthony Fantano's Needle Drop mm. YouTube channel, uh, who did give it an infamous not good on his channel and a 50 minute rant that started with this is the worst album of the year an album that i think will maybe go down as the worst album of the decade an album that quite frankly will break the records of badness if there are such things um he hasn't Sputnik heard music, blood on the dance floor has he 
No, he hasn't. Um, Sputnik Music gave it one out of five. The review summary said, kind of like witnessing a car crash from afar, only to find out you're actually the victim. Um, oh, that's actually quite good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and it ended by saying, what can be faulted, though, is the most inexcusable, poorly performed, ill-conceived, sloppily packaged, anti-structured mistake I have ever had the misfortune of listening to. Ten years in the making. I'm sorry, Corey, but you've lost your damn mind. Um, That's another key thing, isn't it? Ten years in the making. Ten years. Musicrelatedjunk.com gave it one star, saying... Everyone just sat back and let this abomination happen. They withheld the truth from Corey, which is as good as lying. Isn't that Corey's number one principle, that he hates liars? Isn't that the lyrical premise of bad people? Quote from the lyrics, they're evil, deceitful. Isn't that the lyrical premise of most of these songs? And yet these bastards still didn't have the courtesy to tell Corey the truth, that he doesn't have an iota of musical talent, making him believe that these songs were actually listenable. They smiled and laughed and nodded supportingly as he played back recordings of himself wailing over electronica that wouldn't have been cool in 1999. Was it all a joke to them, a laugh at Corey's expense? That actually sounds like they're being quite sort of nice to Corey. I think Feldman that's I think that's really astute. I think that's really astute. Mm. I'm just super quickly just to button there. Um I mean from I I actually found um his crowdfunder um and um <laughs> he he was, you know, he you have to write a blurb for your crowdfunder to explain why you're doing it and stuff like that. And and Corey Feldman said I was never told the music stinks or I just don't hear it as typical turndowns from major labels go. No, instead, I got lots of weird excuses like the songs are catchy, but do you do you have to sing them or not bad for an actor? But we don't feel like you have the time to dedicate to a music career. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, if he was told those things, indeed, those people were being polite and they probably should. And we, we, you and I make a kind of, uh, uh, a big point of being honest and saying, cause in the long run, if you're not honest with people and if you're not honest with your appraisal, then you, you, you're just fucking them up long-term, I think. Mm. And, and that does feel like, because, you know, I'm sorry, Mr. Feldman, but this music does this musically this it absolutely stinks. I mean it's dreadful. It's fucking yeah. awful. Objectively, it's awful. Um but that might have just been the critics, Renfrey. Uh, no, apparently well, not. Uh it has two thousand four hundred and eighty-three reviews on Rate Your Music. Fuck. That's One, a lot. One thousand seven hundred and thirty-one of them have awarded it half a star. <gasps> 353 have given it one star, which leaves about 400 other reviews. Now, most of them are two uh, or two and a half. Three of them are three, which is there are no fours. No one's given it four. And five mad people, five mad people on this planet who exist on this planet have given this album the full five stars. So out Fred of 2000... Snop Dog, <laughs> Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman's mum. And the ghost of Corey Haim. <laughs> uh, we've sort of stopped doing... Um, we've sort of stopped doing titles for our shows now. Yeah. But if we didn't, the ghost, the of, ghost Corey of Corey Haim. Haim would be it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so five people out of 2,483 people think this is a great record. I mean, that that is a staggering 
that is a staggering amount of people <laughs> to really batter this record. Um, so let's get into it. This album, a 90 minute plus double album that seems to mix kind of posturing rap with camp 60s TV show references, liquid funk, thrash metal and some kind of inspiring, elevating message. It is as mental as anything I think I have ever heard in my entire fucking life. It's diverse. It's diverse. What is this? Um, let's go to Mr. Feldman once again. Um, there's something for everyone. Feldman tells the AP explaining that the first half of the album is all dance music, uh, and dedicated to his late friend, Michael Jackson, whilst the second half is rock based and dedicated to another late friend, Corey Haim. Um, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm out of my depth. I feel oh, like yeah. for the first time ever, I feel out of my depth talking about a record. I really do. Even the other day when we, when we were talking about Tyler, the creator and you were like, well, I don't really know much about Tyler, the creator. And I don't really know about this sort oh, of genre. And I was like, yeah, I've not listened to much. But I even I was like, there's far more secure talk, talking about Tyler, the creator than I feel about talking I mean, about this. I'm genuinely lost here. I mean, this does make Richard Ashcroft's United Nations sound come across like the Bill Callahan album. <laughs> like there is just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it makes richard ascroft seem down to earth it is it is it's mad <laughs> i mean look it's a as you said it's a concept album of sorts um uh cory well you say references to 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 sort of 60s tv shows it's predominantly references to charlie's angels mm. uh, bit of batman but oh yes there is a bit of batman isn't there i forgot about batman uh, there's some relatively. We've certainly, certainly, certainly had far more troubling things on this segment of the show in the past, but there are some. There are some interesting uh, skits um, involving yeah. T- telling the angels to go down and pleasure people. Basically, mm, mm. it's a bit weird. Very weird. Um, it does sound like Corey's just hired some sex workers and asked them to make cooing noises in all the right places for him, uh, which is fine, I suppose, if you so wish. I just hope he paid them well. Um, it, uh, it sounds cheap as fuck. Um, I mean, the first song, I suppose we should just start from the beginning, shouldn't we? Ascension Millennium. Uh, marks the horrifying crossroads between Venga Boys, Aqua, and Michael Jackson. Uh, um, uh, I mean, so so much of this first half of this record, so much of it, I was just like, this is like Michael Jackson was in a really serious car crash, and they just went, and they just went, can you still make a record? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, can you still do the moonwalk, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like my, it is still Michael Jackson, everyone. Don't worry, it is still Michael Jackson. It's just he can't really walk and his eyes are glazed over and he's just a bit like, you're right, Michael. Yeah, yeah, do the moonwalk. Yeah, do the moonwalk. You remember he did the moonwalk, Michael? Yeah, yeah. It's like he's gone. He's he's not there anymore. He's definitely you know what gone. I mean? He's definitely gone. Um, there's, uh, there's a few great puns on this record. Um, there's a song... Um, the numeral, uh, what are you doing? Sorry, let's do that again. Four, you're talking about four bidden attraction. I absolutely am. Um, the mm-hmm. numeral four bid in 
attraction. Forbidden attraction. Uh, it's a sexy song of sorts, isn't it, Steve? Or rather, a, I mean, an very much of sorts. <laughs> an attempt yeah. at a sexy song would be a more accurate descriptor. There's a filthy bass line that sounds like it's a horny wasp stuck in a jar. Uh, <laughs> it's just awful. It's so bad. Um, there's nods to Prince, I think, on bad people. A uh, very mm. bad version of Prince. Um, I, I, a bit of a confession. I've been never. Oh, I, confessors before Mate, it's, it's a nod it's a nod to prince in the same way that harold shipman is a nod to florence nightingale <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um duh duh is astonishingly duh. bad uh <laughs> another filthy bass line played on a casio keyboard there's a song on it called lickety splickety for fuck's sake <laughs> um and and i don't think he's talking about licking a lollipop either I think he's no. talking about licketing a, a, a splickety. Willy. I don't think it's a willy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Fred Durst probably puts in the best performance of his entire career on this record, I think. Uh, especially when he's like, Corey, what's happening? Um, yeah, so I, I, I like it when Fred Durst goes... <laughs> <laughs> he goes, <laughs> Corey F, Freddie D, LB, and then Corey, Corey Feldman goes, no, 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 not, not LB. This isn't Limp Bizkit. And he goes, oh yeah, I'll do it again. <laughs> and I, <laughs> it doesn't make you seem cool. No. It doesn't make you seem cool. I know you're doing it as, like, as a joke and it's a laugh and a bit, but it no. doesn't make it seem like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um I'll do it again. Oh yeah, sorry, I'll do it again. <laughs> nah, nah, we've got it now. See you I later. do, I do actually think it's one of Fred Durst's best ever performances, though. Personally, <laughs> fucking hell. There you go. Um, Baby Blue Eyes uh, attempts to out methods of mayhem. Methods of mayhem. I think it's yeah. fucking dreadful. Uh, ne- negativity, sort of. I think he's trying to sound like Jonathan Davis, but he sort of comes across like mud vein cross with Republican. It? <laughs> it's. it's i'm not afraid of you and you are not ashamed of me it's like well if you're aiming at me mate i am pretty ashamed of you to be perfectly honest yeah um Um, take a stand i really wanted to talk about sounds like a cross between michael jackson's heal the world and red hot chili peppers sir psycho sexy and yes it's as misguided as that sounds (laughs) it's just awful it might be my highlight of the record but highlight of the record in a very room sense the room sense um but actually that led me to think there's a little bit i mean i'm not saying that i got anywhere near as uh, i got some enjoyment out of this record because of the whole it's so bad it's good thing not in the same way as dd king this record is three times as long as that dd king record and yeah. there isn't quite the same. Like D.D. King, I just want to give D.D. King a hug. I'm, I'm not able to do that, unfortunately, because he's passed away. But but listening to the D.D. King record, I just want to give D.D. Ramon a hug, you know. Uh, I, I actually, I do want to give Corey Feldman a hug as well, but I also want to pay for some counselling for him um, yeah. at the same time. I, I think I wouldn't want to get too close to him. Mm. I would just, from the, sort of the other side of the room, I'd just go, I hope you're all right. <laughs> 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are some things on it. Like, I wanted to bring up. Um, we wanted change. I think is probably the hardest thing to listen to. That kind of lounge mm-hmm. jazz thing, but it sounds like a sort of lounge jazz thing if it was 
just drunk and stood on a ship that was rocking backwards and forwards <laughs> like they can't nothing's in time he cannot sing he cannot sing it's all no. over the fucking place you think oh this is just going to be an interlude because it's so different from everything else and then it's three minutes yeah. and then it, i said it I sounds mean, like actually... i said it sounds like a terrible tony bennett <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Michael Boo, Michael Bublé, if he was a, like a junkie, that's what it sounds like, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Yes. And then he goes mad at the, at the end. Mercy on my soul, where he goes mad. The kind of angel choir come in oh from nowhere, God. from nowhere, and he just yeah. keeps going. Come on now, <laughs> keep me going now. Ooh, uh, uh, um, like, the whole thing. It's, what are you doing? Um, there is like. There's a, song, there's a song in it called Remember 222, which is about his friendship with Corey Haim, which is quite actually like a really nice idea. Oh, yeah. Totally. And it's sort of interspersed with dialogue from their films. And there's a bit where he goes, we never took things serious and that made us mysterious. <laughs> like, did everyone go, oh, Corey Haim, he's so mysterious. No, he's like, we did it all. We live most people's dreams. Or at least we had our stories. We were the two Corys. And you think like, it should be nice. And it is a nice sentiment. It's a lovely it's sentiment. Kind of, it's a lovely sentiment. But it's kind of... It is, but it's Poorly also... executed. It's just too rubbish to be a nice sentiment. Mm. I mean, if Corey Haim could feel it, if it sort of feels like an insult to Corey Haim, like, if that was me looking down, be like, that's your tribute to me, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think of me. That. That yeah. song, for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. I mean, and it's just so much of it, like... He can't rap. He can't, I mean, we can't dance, which we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, he yeah. can't sing. He can't really scream. The rock stuff is just unbelievably Bad. cheap sounding. The guitars, Bad. like, I mean, it, you know, I feel like I could have played guitar on this record. It is rubbish. I mean, it's just this, this sort of, the new metal vibes. I just, what are you doing? It's like, and I think it's like, with actors, and you'll probably agree with me on this, because mm. actors get to pretend they are things, mm. I think sometimes their egos go, I can actually do yeah. all these things. Yeah. Like, there's a story. Have I ever told you a story about Sylvester Stallone no. on Escape to Victory? No. The set of Escape to Victory. So, so, so this is sort of what this album is like, I think, right? So Escape to Victory is the Sylvester Stallone film where he plays um, a prisoner of war uh, in and amongst a football team. So yes. all of these footballers from the time are in it. Bobby Moore's in it. Um, and Pele's in it. The greatest footballer of all of time, all time right, is in it. Yeah. Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone plays the goalkeeper in the film. Now, bearing in mind, Sylvester Stallone really is signed up just to be a name. He's not signed up because he can play football. And he, he's, he, you know, he, there's stories of him being like, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know the rules of football when he comes on set. I read a thing about the, about this, the making of this film, and apparently Sylvester Stallone challenged Pele to a penalty shootout and was <laughs> and bet him and went, "I bet you five grand if oh, you I take ten you. penalties." Oh, amazing! If if I take ten penalties, if you take ten penalties against me, I'll save more than I let in. And you just think to yourself, you didn't even know this sport existed two months ago, yeah. and you are going up to the guy who is, of all the people that have ever been born on this planet, ever, he's the best one that's ever done it, ever, right? If, which if fucking, even I know. Like, which even you know. Even like, I know that, yeah. You you are not going to save Pele's penalty. No. <laughs> if, fucking, if Lev Yashin and Dino Zoff and Gordon Banks aren't saving Pele's, Pele's penalties, 
You are not going to have like, oh, I stood in near the goal for a month and pretended like I could save a penalty because it said it in the script. So I must in real life be able to save an actual penalty by the greatest footballer of all time. No, mate. You're just an actor. And Corey Feldman feels like someone's gone, you know, you're mates with Michael Jackson. You see him doing that dancing? Yeah, you could probably do that, couldn't you? Well, I've played someone in one of my films before I could. So, yes, I definitely can. And well, it's, we just, go on it's so the... unbelievably misguided. Um, shall we go on to the TV appearance? Yes, we probably should. I just watched this just before we started. Yes, I, I asked I that you watch I couldn't quite this. believe that <laughs> oh, I was watching. <laughs> Uh, you 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 take it away, man. I mean, I I don't even know where to start with it, frankly. So um, it's a performance of the song "Go for It," which is the one that features uh, Snop Dog, the Snop Snop Doog. I do apologise. I should pronounce Snop his name correctly. Get his name right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go on, you take it away. So it's Corey Feldman and the Angels um, on mm. the Today Show, mm. and it's basically four sort of <laughs> scantily clad young ladies mm. with instruments backing Corey Feldman in tight leather trousers, some sort of oh, he looks like, like, he looks like Michael Jackson, hoodie. He? Well, yeah, he's sort of got, he's got a hoodie on, but it's like a big sort of pixie hoodie. So yeah. it looks like a goblin. Yeah. And um, yeah. And he kind of takes it off halfway through and he starts doing this dance. Uh, and he's, but it's like, <sighs> did you used to go to like the school disco and there'd be one <laughs> kid who would always think that he could dance like Michael Jackson. And actually all he could do is sort of walk backwards a bit and on his tiptoes. Yes. Um, he's doing that. He's doing that kid, isn't he? He's doing the popular kid at school yeah. who can't dance, but because everyone, because he's good at football and because he's like in the, he's got, he's getting an A in maths and everyone yeah. thinks like he's the fucking, the jock. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he thinks he can dance yeah. and he's doing these weird fucking, like, I mean, I can't, I really genuinely can't explain his dance moves. It is it, like, it, I think that's a very crap good Michael Jackson. He's crap yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, a, a more kind of, <laughs> it's, da it's David Brent. It's that. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. what it is. It's the yeah. Ricky Gervais dance, basically. Yeah. A more universal, I mean, drunk dad at a wedding would be a more universal kind of, well, I think your descript is more accurate, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. Very, very bad. It's really bad. And apparently it went vinyl. Uh, vinyl. Um, yeah, it was released on vinyl. Uh, I, I think, sadly, I don't <laughs> think this album was released on vinyl. It's available on CD for $30 from uh, <laughs> Corey's own website, but I don't think it's got yeah. a vinyl release. And good car boot sales everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and some um, bad ones too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it went viral that that um, that dance um, that he did apparently, and I'm not really surprised because it is pretty funny. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, it's it's. I I don't I don't know how we even begin to start knowing where to put this. It's such a. Mm. It's such a. It's such a bizarre. Records. I mean, just for, before we go into it, just for a bit of aftermath. Um, after the record uh, came out, Feldman created um, a 360 degree management development and product entity known as Corey's Angels, which is there to help girls who were kind of lost and needed to help find their way. Um, so he did that. And this year he released a movie which he was trying to raise 
10 million dollars to finance uh called my story the rape of two Corys," which was about his relationship with haim and features some claims that he and haim were abused in their early years actually features some stories regarding the entirety of hollywood being this kind of mass pedophile orgy um charlie sheen is one of the people in it who comes off particularly badly so i'm told um shortly after the premiere of that film former members of Corey's angels who were the musical backing band that i was talking about um and part of the um the girls who had lost their way uh started speaking up about the my truth fundraising tour so he took the band out to raise funds for this um and one by one, they started detailing psychological, physical and emotional abuse that each of them experienced while working Feldman, uh, working with Feldman. Um, uh, one of them said everything from the excessive drug use to sexual harassment and the abuse that we had to endure and witness. But there was a lot of other issues, human rights issues, workers rights issues, women's rights issues that were violated as a result of working for him. Um, after the release of the film, Feldman claimed he was in danger and left the country. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> like, fucking hell, what a mess! He has been dramatically a... fucked up, yeah. and yeah, that's and, and you know, if he's done something illegal or whatever, or he's done something abusive, then you know, sorry, dude, you did the thing. Of course, of course, um, that that sort of behaviour, though, if if you're a victim of that kind of behaviour, um. Patterns it's gonna, repeating. It's, gonna, it, it's patterns repeating, and it's, it's gonna fuck you up. That, that is, look, that is, I'm, uh, it's tricky. I really don't want to come across as if I'm sounding like, oh, what he did was fine because it doesn't. I, it's, it, it is. There is not a definitive. We don't really know exactly what happened there. There are accusations and so on and so forth. Uh, it's not super clear. I mean, the headline for this Hollywood Reporter article, uh, Hollywood Reporter article, is uh, Corey Feldman explains Corey's angels. They don't have to sleep with me, um, and it is, uh, you know, they have done that thing of picking out a headline which is a bit more salacious and so on and so forth. But I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing here. In fact, I'm, I don't think I'm going to read any of it because I think you do need to read the whole thing to get any kind of context whatsoever. Um, but <laughs> obviously the purpose of this article was to clear it up and i don't think I, th I think he kind of makes it even less clear i think the article makes it even less it's a, clear it's a bit like when martin Bashir uh interviewed michael jackson and he was like yeah. well you do you know it's not good to have young children sleep in your bed is it and he went no it's fine and it's yeah. like, nah, oh, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're really yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. really not helping yourself yeah. out here. You're yeah. really not helping yourself yeah. out. Um, but you know, like you, like you rightly said, I think if you, uh, Hollywood and fame and all that stuff is a proper horrible, can be a nasty, this you know, crushing place for a young person. And oh, as it as it clearly was for Corey Feldman, he went through some yeah. fucking horrible, abusive shit. And, mm. you know, I don't think that's an excuse if he did those things. I don't even want to get into that at the moment because it's no. really not clear. But um, fuck me, he's had a hard life, you know, so. You yeah. Know. And you can kind of tell from, the, I mean, this record almost as a snapshot into somebody's mind, you are like, this is, you know, <sighs> balancing out like being treated terribly with the kind of, the, the hero worship and star power that you get from doing this 
it's such a weird it must do such weird what well, has done such weird things to people and it continues to do that and this record is almost like it is a walking don't I mean that that thing like, don't do drugs kids this is a walking don't be an actor kids um this record it's it's pretty fucked up it's also I mean we've been laughing at it because it is ludicrous and with that context taken away I mean look this album sucks kind of in the same way you mentioned dd king and you're right like dd king just did something that's rubbish and awful because he just didn't know any better but i do actually think that in the main the intentions for why feldman did this it comes off as somebody who is trying to bring positivity into the world and after the sewer that we've been trudging through over the last few years he has ideas, too many fucking ideas, if we're honest. Mm-hmm. And he has a passion for the thing that he's done, much like Dee King, as you mentioned. Um, and it is a record about positivity. Yeah. So in that respect, um, I don't, he definitely doesn't come off as badly as some of the people that we've been speaking about over the last few weeks. Having said that, having said that, it musically, is, the, it, it, it is musically, objectively, one of the worst records we've covered. Yeah, uh, which is why it makes it really, really difficult. Um, like you know, like we have talked about Iogan, uh, Mister Quig, and uh, the way that that record is objectively bad. You know, it was clearly. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not. It's not Iogan's fault. Poor Owen, but. Um, not no money was thrown at it because someone was just trying to make as much money off of him as possible and it didn't work in that particular case but you know <clears throat> that's an objectively bad sounding record this is an objectively bad sounding record as well i suppose mm-hmm. you could argue it's not as bad as the ogden quick thing because Corey feldman was doing this to himself rather than some nasty i mean it was uh was it simon cowell in eogan's case i can't remember yeah yeah it would have been simon um, cowell, yeah you know just trying to get as much money off of this kid as possible um and i i i and there are things that it on are dodgy on it i mean i do think that you know charlie's angels skits things whilst they're not we've we've discussed you know not very nice term here but we've discussed rapey lyrics on this portion of the show quite a lot there's nothing on here which is like rapey lyrics but there is quite a few things on here which are very 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 misjudged yeah Uh, i think that's quite a good way of putting it mm. i mean there's i don't find anything on here offensive i mean in the same way as i don't find you know if if an old episode of like if an old carry-on film comes on yeah you'd look at that and you'd go this isn't funny and it's probably not what i want to be watching yeah but i don't get offended by it i just go ah, oh, go away Do you know what i mean? don't yeah i don't think i don't think there's any i don't think i don't really think there is anything to get offended about with this record i, I no. mean part of the objectively awful music but um no i don't i don't think there is anything from that point of view but it is bad. so that's good yeah, well, that's it's good. really bad. But do you know what? I am. I'm looking at the list, ah, and it. Part of me pain. A part of I'm a bit pained to put it. You know, above stuff that does genuinely have. You know, more rapey lyrics. But you know, musically, theory of a dead man looks like tall compared to this, for example. Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking. 
I'm wondering if it should go between Yogin and Richard Ashcroft. Is that too unfair? That would be the sixth place. I mean, it is 95 minutes long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I actually, I mean, musically speaking, <laughs> it's it probably worse. <laughs> it's worse than Methods. Of, well, hold on. Broken. Uh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think Methods, I think it's, I think Methods of Mayhem musically is better than this. I actually agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I'm um, trying to be nice because I, I actually, despite everything, despite everything and all the like slightly dodgy stuff later on and stuff like that, I do actually feel sorry for Corey Feldman because, you know, just read up about the, read up about the stuff that happened to him in his childhood. And like, I absolutely feel sorry for him, you know, regardless yeah. of what's happened later on. Um, mm. uh so that's why I'm trying to be a bit kinder to it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if that's yeah. the right way to approach it or not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I yeah, like it's so fucking mental. I mean, I I was thinking there's Blood on the Dance Floor, Methods of Mayhem, Uncle Cracker, Broken Side as the top four. I think Corey would be a decent fifth place. I mean, I genuinely think Towers of London is better than this. Uh, and all the, all the Towers of London are fucking horrible. I mean... This is just, just, just a, a whole new level of ineptness, mm. and musically, like you say, it could be far lower down. So, uh, musically, I think I'm being very kind by putting it fifth, and that is where I would put it in between Blood on the Dance Floor and Towers of London. Blood on the Broken Side. No, Blood on the Dance Floor. I thought Blood on the Dance Floor was London. number one. No, Broken Side are number one. Fucking hell, you can't even tell the difference between those two shit bands. I can't, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed of, mate, don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, go on, let's put it there. Yeah, I think so. Because um, it is, like you say, it is retro, retrograde bad. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it, it, it is like fucking steroid level bad you know what i mean it is yeah. like bad on steroids it is like a suit it is like the superhero of bad music although weirdly i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't wish anyone sit down we didn't even talk about the fucking working class hero cover i've just realized no, yeah i know the, the last song is a cover of working class hero by john lennon it's appalling yeah right, i mean I, I couldn't even get through that to be honest i had oh, to, right. i listened to the first half of it and i was like no i can't I'm done. It's I'm appalling. done now. Appalling. Um, yeah, it is appalling. Yeah, I would never suggest that anyone actually listen to this record the whole way through. Weirdly, I kind of almost would suggest someone listen to the odd track just to understand. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, do you know what? I reckon people should listen to uh, just a couple of tracks. Of the, I mean, listen, to, watch that today footage, if anything, probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, just to understand what objectively bad music is i think it's a really interesting education in what bad music actually is um and anyone who for example when oh fear inoculum by tool is a bad record i would put this in front of them and then say i'm sorry what did you say about fear inoculum this is bad music you check yourself and uh, maybe understand. Like, I mean, it's been an education for us as well, I think, in a way. Yeah, uh, there's actually, there's, there were a few people chatting about this segment of the show and some of you really love it. I can understand that. And some of you are like, you know what? I don't want to hear you moaning about records all the time. Uh, this is not meant to be us moaning about records. I'm really glad that I got a chance to listen to this album because yeah. 
there are certain records on here that actually I don't think are very uh, are very bad at all. You know, Lulu and Lauren Hill, I think are good, actually pretty decent records for the most part. Self-Portrait's pretty good. And then you get shit like Dee Dee King, which I think is all right. And Shatner, which, you know, I'm happy to listen to stuff like yeah. the primitive, you know, the, the Transform Man by, by Shatner or yeah. the Dee Dee yeah. King album. And this is one of those ones where you go, my God, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this before. Definitely. And it is, it is rubbish and totally misguided, but it's absolutely... Fascinating. definitely yeah it's a completely fascinating record and mm. i'm really like i'd always seen it and gone oh you know i wonder what that's like because mm. you know it is it is really fucking infamous mm. but there you go angelic to the core by Corey feldman i'm just picking one out of the hat now I'll just give it its uh full title angelic to the core angelic funkadelic slash angelic rockadelic yeah great <laughs> Uh, this will be a good one. I saw someone, this actually is funny because I saw someone um, a few weeks ago posted a thing where they said, we're talking about bands who've got no bad albums and they said Van Halen. Well, I hope that person is listening because next week we're going to be talking about Van Halen 3. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so that's next week. We're going to be doing a bit about Van Halen. We're also going to be reviewing a new album from Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson's got a new album out, guys, uh, amongst other things. So mm. thanks very much. We shall see you next week. Um, should be some sort of classic album coming for you if you're a patron, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast mm-hmm. to sign up um, real soon. But in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Bye bye.